What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We're talking season in review, talking all the storylines, predictions, all that great stuff. Um, just the 2021 season in general. And we're going to talk for a look, heads up. There's a lot of teams here. We, you know what? We may split this episode in two, like do one through three A and do four through five A, but we're going to release it all on Friday, you know? And so it'll just be like episode 100, an episode. Or episode 100A, and then episode 100B. And so, yeah, you, the viewers, will know. Um, that's just me speaking out loud. But let's go ahead and hop into this. So we mentioned a lot of teams here. I'm going to talk about the teams that we mentioned before we talk about the teams that we actually talked about in the preseason there. And so we talked about Montrose, uh, mentioned them when talking about last year. We both agreed, Cody, that they were not a contender. Uh, said it was good they scored 30-plus points on Dakota Ridge, but Dakota Ridge scored 70 on them. So that should say all you need to know is what we said. Uh, we also said we were concerned about them losing Raul Martinez and Colton uh, Brigham. And then they were also losing their top three receivers and basically everyone who recorded an interception. Well, everyone recorded an interception and so that's why we were out on Montrose Montrose obviously this regular season had a pretty good year I would say um look it was really hard just kind of tracking them because we could see them winning like they went undefeated in the regular season but we couldn't see stats we couldn't see how like actual games would go you know so it was just very unknown unless we literally made a trip out to Montrose we didn't know what was going on and honestly, that's really hard to do just because we're covering 1 through 5A and we need to know whether a team is worth it or not before we go out there. Just going to be honest with you. And so there you go. But Montrose did go undefeated. Um, a lot of big games here. They had a really close game against Fruit of Monument, 26-22. to 22. But other than that, they beat down on a lot of teams here, um, specifically 3A teams in Durango and Palisade, but did beat Palmer Ridge, just barely 28-21. Then... You know, Heritage is Heritage, so they beat them 56-12. Beat Vista Ridge in a pretty, this looks like a pretty close game, 42-28. But went on and, <coughs> excuse me, went on and beat Air Academy 50-7. to And then Ponderosa 19-14 before they made it to the playoffs. Do either of y'all have any reactions to Montrose's season here? At least a regular season. Post your stats and we could do more for you, man. Or videos. There's not even videos of any of these players anywhere. And they're constantly no asking highlights. Yeah, they're constantly asking us to and their footage from their uh NFHS games is not it's not great. I mean, we talked about uh this with a prep red zone guy, Ryan Wesley, but good god, man, like the quality is so bad. And I can't even tell what, like, most of the player numbers are because the camera is so grainy. So there's really not a whole lot we could do other than get quick synopsis of your wing T offense that you run that I'm not even a huge fan of. And, you know, and the stout defense that you had. But nonetheless, I mean, they didn't make it to state even as the one seed. So I don't know. I don't know what to think because I don't know what the heck I'm looking at. I don't know anybody on the team. So if you want us to cover you, meet us halfway here and, and at least put some kind of stats up, at least. Yeah, all I was going to say is, you know, 
there's not much to recap because we don't have anything to recap. Like, we know what their season looked like score-wise. Other than that, I couldn't tell you. There you go. Agreed. We would have loved to cover you. You were a great story. We just didn't know. I don't know. You got to give us something. I we, We're not going to bend over backwards for that, honestly. 4A is really big. There's a lot of teams that aren't willing to give us stats, so we'll go with them. So moving on, we have Ponderosa, who does put in stats, by the way. Um, mentioned them at the very beginning of that preview episode. That, By the way, that was episode 60, if you really want to go fact-check fact us over there. But we were pretty concerned about them losing their starting quarterback, Jack Hanenberg, and they were losing one of their best wide receivers and just athletes in general uh, in Colton Miller. And, you know, we said Ponderosa wouldn't be a contender because – of the experience of other quarterbacks in 4A. They're just more experienced quarterbacks. And so, there you go. We did say they'll probably sneak their way into the playoffs based off the size they have because they do have a pretty good offensive and defensive line, by the way. Um, one of their offensive linemen is committed to the University of Northern Colorado. So, there you go there. And, you know, we were pretty high on the returning secondary. Other than that, they were going to have to work with a really young group. And that showed. I mean, they had um, the freshman quarterback, Andrew Heidel, start, you know, for, I think it's really interesting, um, for Mason's game against Palmer Ridge. I mean, obviously, you know, Palmer Ridge would come back, but Ponderosa went up on them early on by like 20 or something like that. And uh, Heidel was playing amazing. In my game against Vista Peak, he was benched uh, by halftime. Uh, he was not playing good like nothing he was doing was good in any way so if that doesn't tell you the duality of a young freshman quarterback i don't know what does but basically that was ponderosa season did say they would probably sneak their way into the playoffs which they did you know they had a good season um and they weren't one and done which we also predicted mason uh because you were the other one only other one to see ponderosa play you know i mean what do you think about that prediction here plus I mean, uh, the young core they have there. I mean, because even though he did have very extreme ups and downs, you know, he did his thing out there, that quarterback Andrew Heidel. No, I think that's entirely fair. Um, yeah, after hearing you say what you said about, you know, that quarterback after I was like, yeah, this, you know, freshman quarterback over here at Ponderosa, you're like, well, he got benched in my game. So, you know. It was up and down for them all season, and I agree 100% with what you guys said. And I think that's probably the best thing you could do for that. Oh, so there you go. That was Ponderosa. Still a playoff team, though, as we said. Then we talked about Skyline, mentioned them being a snub in the playoffs last year with that high-powered offense with, uh, you know, um, led by Chase Silva, their star quarterback. And... You know, we mentioned how they're snubbed and how they should have been over, maybe over a Pine Creek or Montrose. But ultimately, we were concerned about how much talent they were losing, including their starting running back, their starting quarterback, a receiver, um, also some guys who played on defense as well. I actually made it out to two Skyline games. One was against Silver Creek at the time. Both of them, I think, were undefeated. It was going to be the Battle of Longmont. That was a very good game. Um, became a big fan of the skyline coaching staff i gotta say you know they showed a lot of different looks in that game working with a backup quarterback logan miller who's a receiver first and foremost you know they made a lot happen with him um 
I mean, you know, they gave the ball to Andrews because you can't go wrong with giving it to somebody you actually know. But they managed that game pretty well to beat Silver Creek and kind of continue their little uh, winning streak there. And so became a very big fan of Skyline. I like how they're coached, even though, you know, they've had a little bit of an up and down season. They went six and five. Ultimately, they did make the playoffs. So there you go. Uh, beat Rampart, Grand Junction. Lost to Jay Riley's Golden, only 33-21. to 21. That's not too bad. Um, considering you have a receiver playing quarterback, that's not bad. At the Silver Creek game, you know, pulled it out with a huge second half, just dominating on defense and offense, winning 17-7 to 7 in the fourth. Played Erie. I mean, it's Erie. They lost 49-0. Played Greeley Central. Greeley Central made that game pretty close, but they still won at 35-23. Then Skyline had to play Loveland, who they lost 48-0. Then they played Monarch, who they beat in overtime 35-34. Beat Grand Junction Central. Lost just by nine to Longmont. And then they made the playoffs. So Skyline definitely placed a little bit of, uh, you know, a pretty difficult schedule, not going to lie. But not too bad at six and five, considering they were losing their starting quarterback uh, for a bit. Had a receiver playing that role. But when they did get Caden Box back, who, by the way, is a junior, will be coming back next year. You know, they, they showed some... Uh, fireworks here and there but uh cody or mason do y'all want to say anything about the skyline here before we move on um well i saw him face you know keegan patterson over there and uh they did a pretty good job against him uh their defense is pretty stout not you know not amazing not bad so they're a pretty average team as from what i saw in person just shouting out uh you know those dogs that played there last year and just their ability to coach up athletes to kind of do it all. You know, they've been faced with some tough situations as far as depth goes and just availability of players. Longmont's a very competitive area for some legit ballers out there between, you know, Silver Creek, who, you know, they had a down year last year, but this year they're kind of back to business as usual, you know, and uh, Skyline as well as, you know, Longmont High School, all being super competitive and all battling for talent on the 4A level. Um, you got to give it to Skyline for always being able to coach up guys to play whatever position they need them to play. Boom, there you go. Moving on, uh, we got Miss the Peak. Did mention them playing Ponderosa. Uh, mentioned them making the playoffs last year, uh, but obviously we were concerned about them losing Jadaris Carr and Braylon Nelson, two basically D1 guys. And so and we were also concerned about how easy the competition was in the spring. That's really all we said about them. Miss the Peak. We've talked about them a lot, had great receivers between Bryce and Torrey, Jordan Mayfield, our number one receiver in the state of Colorado, by the way. Go ahead and check that out. Um, they have some other pieces in there as well, but Vista Peak, you know, they just couldn't quite get it done. Had a pretty decent season, if I do say so myself, though. Uh, so you can't really be too mad at that, but that's Vista Peak. And then I'm going to group in these three, and y'all could react any way we want, but... We did briefly mention Falcon, Gateway, and Liberty. As far as Falcon went, um, mentioned them as part of the I-25 League. Cody, you asked me if they're a contender. I said, nope. Talked about how we weren't sold on the Falcon coaching staff, <laughs> which is really, really something looking back on and how opposing teams didn't respect them compared, <laughs> compared them to how the Remember the Titans playbook well, we said the Remember the Titans playbook is better than the Falcon playbook and compare that. Mentioned Darius McFarland. He's a dog. 
and how he might will Falcon to being close to make the playoffs, but not quite. So that was Falcon's deal. Concerns about the coaching staff. Yep, we'll keep that there. And then Gateway said uh, we didn't think they could make the playoffs, but like the Coach Collins hire, shout out to Ernest Collins out there. Uh, he'll be building something out there, so there you go. And then Liberty, Cody asked me if uh, Cody asked me if they could potentially cause problems for Bouncing Fort Carson, and I laughed. And so that is that. Boys, do you have any reactions to Falcon, Gateway, Liberty, or Mr. Peak here? Mason or Cody? Yeah, so I did a program spotlight on Vista Peak, and they just have incredible athletes out there. Obviously, Jordan Mayfield, our number one wide receiver. Uh, Jordan Mayfield and Bryson Torrey are both also dogs on the defensive side of the ball. Ultimately, their quarterback's decision-making is what costs them, you know, probably running a bit deeper into the playoffs uh, because he just has poor decision-making. Falcon, look, their coaching staff uh, endorses doesn't prevent or protect its children so uh but i think they're out of there or they should be out of there and condemned by the community as a whole and i really ripped into them uh once that story came out i don't remember what episode it is but uh i don't mess with falcon at all uh gateway i said i'll believe it when i see it and i think that's true because these guys were terrible um just going to read through their scores. 32-14, Ever, losing to Evergreen, 3-18, uh, 50-6, Adams City, 28-6, Denver South, 47-0, Centaurus, 43-0, Aurora Central, 42-0, Vistapeak Prep, 54-0, Grand Junction, 56-12. Which, why is Grand Junction in this league? That doesn't make any... It's like all Aurora teams and then Grand Junction. But anyways... Um, I don't know. I'll believe it when I see it. I don't have a lot of faith in this program right now. And, uh, yeah, I, I didn't know about Liberty. I didn't know that Liberty was the gateway of Colorado Springs, uh, basically. No, Liberty when I asked is that probably question. the worst football team in the entire state. And I'm not laughing. They're worse, than, they're worse a lot. Worse by a lot than Gateway. And we knew what Gateway was going to be. So. It's just crazy six months after competing for a state championship. This is They should have just kept the coach that led to that run. I mean, they did have a good quarterback in the spring, but good God, not winning a single game. Come on, Well, man. they graduated their entire offense well, and most of their defense. Well, do something about it. I don't know. But anyways, uh, Mason, here to, oh yeah, oh, sorry, let, Mason talk. let Mason talk. I okay, ain't got okay. nothing else. Okay, okay. Mason, go ahead. What? Um, any comments about Vista Peak Falcon Gateway Liberty? I don't have anything to say about Gateway or Liberty. We know what they are. We know what their programs are. It is what it is. Falcon, I do not mess with. And yeah, I probably won't mess with until they find a new coaching staff and change the culture over there. So that's that. Alrighty then. Well, let's get into the teams we actually talked about. These are all teams that... We felt like could make the playoffs and maybe, maybe, maybe just have a chance at going to state. Now, I'm going to go ahead and save some time here. We did not talk about Chatfield in any way. Um, Cody actually mentioned Chatfield very briefly and said they are not who they used to be. <laughs> and so that's that, a bad take. Yes, that's, no, a, that's, that's a really correct. bad take. They're state champs. Yeah, they, they are the state champs. Spoiler but, alert. But 
I uh, I can't say that based off of how their last season went, uh, no one saw that coming, and no one saw their wildcat uh, bonanza coming either. So yes, but, but, but let's so, keep moving. Yeah, let's let's talk about some of these other teams because there is a reason why. Because there were a lot of teams in four A that could have uh, you know one state. You know, we there were a lot of teams that were like, yeah, we could see them doing that. Uh, and so I'm gonna kind of start with the teams that. You know, we felt like would make the playoffs and maybe make a push here if uh, they could get some things going here uh, to our contenders. But starting with Pine Creek, look, we were concerned about them losing both Railer. Talked about a tough rebuilding year last year. Mentioned how, you know, even then they were a better team than what their record reflected last year. Uh, but we talked about some guys who would make some noise going into this year, including Braden Kramer going into the senior year. Talked about JoJo Roy, who had a lot of underrated performances as a senior, or, or sorry, as a junior last year, and would be kind of hopefully taking a step forward as a senior. Talked about Brett Alvey, how they're returning nine of their top ten tacklers, you know, how this defense chemistry-wise, you know, should be pretty good. And so that's what we said. And then I did say... Basically, word for word, it's hard to imagine Pine Creek having another down year. So there you go. And then we did say if Jojo Roy can't get it done, then they'll put in Cam Cooper, the freshman quarterback they have back there, because I feel like he's just as talented and could get some stuff done. I also predicted my guy, Justice Nicholson, getting more touches. Uh, potentially as a slot receiver, which he did do this season. He did get a lot of touches as a slot receiver rather than a running back. So uh, I'm going to give myself a pat on the back there because I, pre I predicted that one basically straight up. And then I did say I'd be surprised if Ramon Pacheco didn't get more varsity snaps this year. Um, he did, but as a DB, personally, I think he could play receiver and replace a lot of those guys, but that's just me. And then we said Pueblo West, Mr. Ridge, Legend, Douglas County, Regis, Jesuit would all be tough teams uh, for them. Cody, you did say they might sneak in at 500 while talking about them making the playoffs. Um, I I didn't say anything like that. I just said I feel like they should make the playoffs, and it's hard seeing them, you know, be bad another year, and they should be kind of back to their former glory here. I know a lot of Pine Creek parents and community, like the entire Pine Creek community wants to be like, oh, it was us against the world. Nobody believed us. Uh, no, no. We said y'all should make the playoffs. We pointed out a lot of the players and how y'all will make the playoffs by playing good defense and relying on JoJo Roy and Braden Kramer. You know, and so uh, I'm just going to put that out there. And if you want to fact check us, go ahead and check out that episode. But uh, while the rest of the media in Colorado was wrong, you know, we were very much on the right side of things. So, Cody, I am going to go ahead and throw it to you. Um, what do you think? Of, what did you think about Pine Creek this season? You know, obviously they had a very good year this year with Joe Roy kind of leading the pack. You did say they might sneak in at 500. I understand that they play. I mean, they play five A teams, so it's not like, you know, it's 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 not like oh, oh my god, like that's super crazy. I mean, they play a basically a level above, and um, you know, they only had two losses in the regular season: one to Regis Jesuit, 24-14. Joe Jeroy didn't even play that whole game. He was out, uh, I think, after the fourth quarter or after the third quarter, and then they lost to Legend, 26 to 23. 
Um, and then they also beat Chatfield, who would go on and win State 28-22. to But uh, let's keep it on the regular season for now. Cody, what do you think about Pine Creek and our predictions for them, which uh, ended up being pretty accurate, not going to lie. Yeah, so obviously... You know, we did say they would go to the playoffs. I was I was off by saying they go 500, but I mean they just, you know, JoJo Roy took significant strides this year. Zion Hill was a dog that I didn't see coming, uh, and I I think those two guys on the offensive side of the ball were critical to you know this successful season for Pine Creek. Also, I do want to say that my projections of other teams also had something to do with their initial record, you know, like uh, we're going to talk about Vista Ridge and where they were in our preseason. But, you know, I had Vista Ridge winning this game, uh, you know, their game against Pine Creek. And, you know, I had them probably uh, losing to like, you know, one of these other 5A teams, which in their league, you know, they did really well going three and two. And uh, yeah, I just want to say that they, Simon, you are way more on the nose. You're way more familiar with the community. But Pine Creek is one of those programs where you can't hold them down forever. Uh, as far as, you know, the system that they run and the talent that they, that they get. And, you know, we know about the future talent that they're going to get, too. So they're not going to go away anytime soon. You actually even got to watch some of their lower level games this season. Um, and so you know about Cam. I mean, we know about Cam Cooper and what Pine Creek's going to get there. And they're going to be able to compete in 6A just fine. But, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah, what us against the world? You're Pine Creek. You're like one of the most well-funded programs in the entire state. You might be the most well-funded program on 4A. So I don't know what what that's about. Um, but it was yeah, very that's... similar to Alabama saying it felt like it was them against the world when they're playing Cincinnati in the playoffs. Oh, <laughs> that is. You know what? That's exactly what it is. I won't go into details on how accurate that is because I think it's hilarious. Um, but anyways, uh, we could probably... Uh... Mason, what did you think of Pine Creek this year? You did get to see them against Douglas County, I believe. Right, Mason? Yeah, no, I definitely got to see them against Douglas. and I think that... Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I think Pine Creek has a really good defense. And your guys' prediction was pretty spot on with it. You know, their quarterback played really well. Their defense was really good. Like, they're not to be slouched. You know, they're not to be, you know, looked over. Their defense played really well this year. So, you know, I think, you know, Pine Creek's prediction was pretty spot on. Boom. There you go. Um, look, they played great defense, man. And then they ran the ball out. Zion Hill really didn't even have a role until the Chatfield game. Up until then, it was sophomore running back and uh, the son of the head coach, Mason Miller, who was averaging something like 150 rushing yards a game and three touchdowns a game. He was going crazy. So, you know, he's just a sophomore. Zion Hill came in for that Chatfield game and took over a little bit more here as a senior. And then he kind of had the reins for the rest of the season. So I think that is really interesting when uh, talking about Pine Creek here, they have, they're deep, you know, they got a lot of talent. They could, they could hit you. They'll play very good defense. I think defensively, they're extremely well coached. There's a reason they beat the defending ch or not the defending champs. There's a reason they beat the eventual champs in Chatfield 28 to 22, you know, they're just this, but we'll, uh, we'll talk playoffs later. Uh, Pine Creek, you know, 
very good defense predicted them to have a little bit of resurgence here, and that's what they did. Uh, now another team we talked about was Erie. And so we did praise Blake Parnett, who we said should take a step forward behind their dominant offensive line. We actually did get to meet one of his linemen, John Pastor. Uh, real nice guy, by the way, over at Media Day. He is going to Kansas State. But we, uh, so, you know, we got to meet some of his linemen, some of his guys. We also mentioned his tight ends, uh, Aiden Oxsteiger and then Andrew Nazarenus, I want to say, who are just big body tight ends. Uh, who we felt like, you know, could bail Blake Barnett out of some situations. If he needs to throw it up and someone needs to make a jump ball play, those guys could do it. Uh, we did mention how they lost Mason Beeb, and that could be a problem for Erie since they leaned on him so hard last year. But, I mean, like we said, uh, we did predict Barnett to be the focus of this offense. And then I think I said this, if Blake Barnett can average 150 passing yards 50-plus rushing yards, and, you know, three to four touchdowns a game, then I'd be pretty high on them. And then, Cody, you said they could be a low-key contender, word for word. Um, and then I said this, adding on to the stat line, you know, for Blake Barnett to be elite, he needs to average 250 passing yards and 100-plus rushing yards. I think that's I, – I was just talking about his development in general. That doesn't really affect – how far Erie went. I felt like if he can uh, develop here, then he could be, uh, you know, pretty pretty high up there and definitely be a little bit of a threat. So there we go. Um, we also said that the Longmont game would be an interesting game because they have Keegan Patterson out there. That was the one time we really mentioned Longmont. Uh, Cody, you said that. You said that. I feel like Keegan Patterson returning. Uh, you know, he could definitely cause some problems for a lot of team and light up the state a little bit here as he did put up numbers last year, which you got right. Um, very good prediction there. Um, <laughs> he said we were concerned about their game against Broomfield. Cody, you said word for word, if you can hang with Broomfield and keep it within one score, then you can win the championship, um, which was true. They, they did more than bad. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but that's, we'll get there when we get there. Um, you know, also some concern about Windsor said Windsor might play them pretty close as they do everyone, but that is what it is. And then we said in a perfect world, they go 8-0 in their first eight games, but realistically, we predicted them to go 6-2. and two. I think the only games we were like, eh, maybe they don't win, was that Broomfield game and Windsor game. Other than that, we felt like they would could probably go undefeated. So a uh, pretty close prediction here. Obviously, Erie was a lot better um, than probably a lot of teams, you know, thought. I mean, Blake Barnett took very big strides here uh, this offseason here. And not only did they beat a lot of these teams, but they blasted them into a whole nother universe. Uh, winning, beating Longmont 50-6, even though they didn't have Keegan Patterson. Beating Skyline 49-0. Dropping 50 on Silver Creek, 47 on Brighton. I mean, this doesn't mean much, but 46 on Greeley West. Uh, beating Broomfield by 49. Dropping 41 on Windsor, which doesn't happen a lot. You know, Erie was on fire. You know, not only were they winning, but they were dominating to the highest degree. Cody, I'm going to go ahead and uh, pass it to you here real quick. What did you think about Erie and that Mason? You could uh, chip in here about Erie's regular season as well. Erie played some pretty legit competition here. First off, 
they're located in Erie, Colorado, but they own Longmont, Colorado. Um, you know, with wins over Silver Creek, Skyline, Longmont. Uh, you know, two of the three playoff teams, obviously. Well, okay, Longmont not having Keegan Patterson, that is such a shame. That would have been one of the best, or at least most electrifying games of the year. That makes me so sad that Keegan wasn't healthy for that. Um, from, from a fan perspective, you know, I mean, literally, they. I'm pretty sure that they have the same quarterback coach. So it'd be like, you know, it'd be a battle of who's the best from that camp and whatnot. And uh, that'd be pretty interesting. And they both were battling it out for most valuable playmaker on our 4A awards. So, you know, it would only have been appropriate. And maybe that would have changed how the votes went. But anyways, uh, looking back at his schedule, we were really high on Broomfield, which we'll talk about, but uh, they, they were insane. And Blake Barnett took the step that we said he needed and could take the step to do. Uh, in our young quarterbacks episode, I I've said it once, I've said it twice, I've said it a thousand times. I saw him live in his first varsity game, and he was insane. And I guess speaking just on this eerie prediction, I want to put some respect on Caleb's name. You know that running back out there in Erie who ran for almost eighteen hundred yards and twenty seven touchdowns. You know he was balling out and he filled in just fine for uh mason vive and uh you know and blake and caleb benefited from the running game behind each other you know going for a combined 51 touchdowns between the two of them on the ground um and then obviously aiden oxiger he was one of our top tight ends in the entire state and uh you know blake and this eerie team they spread the ball out pretty well with, you know, five different guys hovering around that 20 reception thing. And, uh, yeah, they were, I, I liked Erie. I still do, uh, for the next few years, honestly, uh, Mason, you got to see them live one time and, uh, experience the buzz that I was experiencing. But, uh, what do you think of their regular season? Uh, I think regular season wise, they did great. They probably played, well, obviously better than you guys predicted for their like most likely statistics, you know? So, you know, just by them doing that, it's just above and beyond. But at the same time, I think that they they killed it this year and it showed all the way through, all the way through. Uh, again, defense wins championships and their defense plays exceptionally well, putting up a couple of different goose eggs. Um, but, you know, it, 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 was, it was a good season. And yeah, that Longmont one would have been a sweet game, Cody. I agree because I've seen Keegan Patterson play, and he is electrifying. So, you know, I think honestly, it's pretty insane, and I'm kind of afraid to see where this team's going to be because their quarterback's only a sophomore and he played that well. What is he going to do when he's, you know, a junior and then a senior? What steps is he going to take? And are we even going to have a competition for number one when it comes to his senior year? That's fair. I don't know why I can't think of any other sophomore quarterback. There's Genoa. We'll see about his situation, but there's Genoa. Liam Zarka. Oh, uh, yeah. He, Wyatt okay. Sprague. Uh-huh. Um, Ryan, uh, Rylan Cooney out of Holy Family. Yeah. Okay. There's, um, a, there's, a, couple. there's a couple of guys, but as far as Not like 50 touchdowns Barnett, in a so. season like Blake Barnett. 
that's that's tough. Yeah. All right. Well, that's here. We'll talk about that more in the playoffs here. Uh, I'm going to talk about two teams here real quick, Palmer Ridge and Loveland. I think their fates are very much intertwined. But let me talk about Palmer Ridge first. Did mention how we were, you know, rightfully concerned that they were graduating the quarterback, Luke McAllister, Marcellus Reed, Caden Dunley, Cam Jones, and Saxon Wright, which is a lot of players, a lot of that core on offense and defense that not only, you know, went to state last year, but were part of state championship teams in the many years before. Um, but we were really high on the Monument Moving Company. We praised their skill players as well. And Connor Cook and Gator Robinson, Anthony Costanzo, KJ Smedley, Josh Gerlach, uh Jr., basically. And so uh, we did say, you know, that state loss was unacceptable. But I called them a contender because I felt like they would want to redeem themselves. But I also said, word for word, they are exactly one piece away, one quarterback away. Um, at the time, we did not know who would start, but I mentioned Ben Noblet as a potential starter as a freshman. Did say, I don't think they'll start a freshman, but they should have somebody learning in the wings under McAllister who could go ahead and kind of be that bridge quarterback and play right now. Uh, Cody, you were worried about them play, replacing some defensive players as well. We did say this season could get out of hand potentially if they can't find a quarterback. So just as much as they could be a contender, it could swing the other way because they also have a new coaching staff. But that really wasn't a big deal. I think you and me both believed in Mike, uh, well, sorry, in Coach Armand Trout a lot, you know, and his ability as a coach and uh, as, you know, just as a good person, you know. And so we did cite games against Pueblo West and Vista Ridge as some problems. Now, talking about Loveland here real quick, um, you know, we were concerned about them losing Zach Rakowski, Jaden Tafoya, two first-team All-State offensive linemen. Uh, you know, Loveland, they beat Palmer Ridge last year by a lot, blew them out, you know, and so that's kind of why we talked about both of these teams kind of back-to-back here. And, you know, while talking about Loveland, we were concerned about the lack of size on their line. And I said straight up, I didn't think they could go back-to-back. I just said I didn't believe a, lo- a ton in Loveland. Um, did call them a playoff team. I said they could beat someone in the playoffs so they're not they're definitely not one and done but ultimately i said they don't have the offensive firepower to outscore some teams cody you were really high on their defense uh specifically ian loomis which was right was also high on their rushing game led by um that that athlete garrett harston out there um the only games you were concerned about with loveland was against ralston valley windsor and broomfield said they should only really lose two games in the regular season. Uh, Loveland, that is. And so, uh, just talking about the regular season, well, talking about the season in whole, but we'll just keep it a regular season right now. Loveland and Palmer Ridge actually finished with the same record at 10-2. and Loveland would actually sweep the league at 5-0. and Palmer Ridge uh, dropped a game against Montrose, so they were only 4-1. and But very similar seasons here, you know. Uh, a lot of the things we talked about came to pass, you know, with Derek Hester, the starting quarterback for Palm Ridge. It was, to say the least, very obvious that he had some limitations, you know, as their starting quarterback. 
with Loveland, you know, uh, I mean, they played very good defense, so they didn't have to do too much offensively. But there were definitely times that there were concerns about their offensive game here and their offensive firepower. Specifically, they only beat Windsor 14-7, to only scored two touchdowns against Ralston Valley, who is a really good 1-8, or sorry, uh, 5-8 team. You know, they only scored six points against. Uh, but everyone else, you know, they scored a lot in, against and whatnot. But in all the games that, you know, they struggled in, and that they lost, they only scored one touchdown. So that would eventually come to pass there. Uh, now, I, I'm going to throw it to Mason, actually. First, uh, what do you think about Palmer Ridge and Loveland season here? Is there anything you want to say about how the regular season went? Yeah, no. Um, I've seen – I didn't get to see Loveland play, but I saw Palmer Ridge face Golden. And I want to say, you know, that Monument Moving Company is legit. They are insane over there. They've got some dogs on that offensive line, and you know they're going to keep pumping. You always up. say Golden, but you mean Ponderosa. No, I watched them face Golden. They did. They didn't play Golden, brother. Yes, they did. That was the giant comeback, bro. That was the giant comeback I went and saw. Wait, no, the, no, that, that was kidding. Ponderosa. That's Ponderosa, bro. Was it? Oh, you okay. always well, say Golden, but you mean bad. Ponderosa. I got confused too. My, I okay. was looking at the logo, but yeah. Okay, Ponderosa, but anyways, um, you know, I got to see him face him, and that that line is insane. They, they're they unstoppable over there, and, you know, I think that your guys is, you know, what you guys said about each of these teams was pretty accurate going into the season and how their seasons ended up. Um, yeah, I, I think for Loveland, I didn't get to really, you know, see much of Loveland, but, you know, they do have a great defense over there, and I think Cody was – good to be hype about their defense uh but yeah yeah i uh i'm even gonna still stand by you know what i said about loveland and feeling that they could compete i think that you know obviously in the playoffs they they didn't win state but i feel like they're right there amongst those top teams with their defense and uh just their ability to occasionally make plays and you know, they scored enough during the regular season for me to still be pretty high on them in my playoff bracket, which I'll talk about later. But anyways, you know, that that's how I felt about Loveland. And obviously, Ian Loomis, our number one rated linebacker, go ahead and listen to our top five linebackers in the class of 2022 episode, as well as being a defensive playmaker of the year candidate in our 4A awards. Go ahead and listen to that episode. That should be the episode right before this, actually, episode 99. Uh, so go ahead and listen to those. And then Palmer Ridge, you know, I loved hearing about the game that Mason went to against Ponderosa because I think it's very reflective of their season as a whole. Uh, as far as being super up and down, erratic, but still somehow at the end of the day being okay for the most part. You know, be, like Mason recapped in that one week, down 21 nothing at halftime, then down 14-28, and then 21 unanswered points in the fourth quarter because, you know, that's just the erratic kind of season that Palmeridge had, you know, they did have, you know, points where they did dominate, you know, like their opening game against Pueblo East, but then, you know, Mesa Ridge, a 30 to 27 win. That's a very close win uh, against, you know, a team that I wouldn't say is as deep at as many positions as Palmeridge might've been, but you know, a good team that could score nonetheless. So it's like, okay, maybe there's some things to be concerned about in the secondary and whatnot. And, you know, this quarterback, then they destroy Pueblo West. It's like, okay, maybe these guys are legit. You know, like maybe they're figuring it out. 
They run into Montrose. They lose a close game to Montrose. And it's like, okay, you know, you look through the stats and the quarterback didn't play the best game ever. Uh, and then even a little bit, you know, later in the postseason, they do eventually have the close game that we orish- originally thought they were going to have against Pueblo West. And it was just very up and down, kind of a roller coaster of a season, even for being 10 uh, 10 and 2, but only losing one game during the regular season. It felt like a lot crazier than that and a lot closer than that at times. I think that was just because of the uncertainty under center. But overall, I feel like our uh, looks for both these teams was pretty spot on. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, I, I wouldn't say it was super crazy. I mean, it obviously was, but I think it just felt that way because of the quarterback. I don't think it's fair to kind of rope in everyone else because we knew what the Monument Moving Company was. That's why they're rated so high in our top fives list. We knew, uh, you know, that they had running backs. Connor Cook, Gator Robinson, they both did their thing. We knew they have athletes. Anthony Costanzo, number one rated safety on our list, possibly number one rated receiver on our list too if we allowed that, um, which we didn't. But, you know, we knew they had a lot of talent. At the end of the day, it came down to the quarterback and. I mean, how well this team did reflected on the quarterback. And I think that is a very obvious game to game here. They Uh, made it to the same round of the playoffs, by the way. I know. They basically ended their season the same way. So, you know, uh, honestly, as far as predictions go, we were pretty spot on with both Palmer Ridge and Loveland. You know, uh, Loveland, we did put a specific prediction on them, said they really should only lose two games in the regular season. They only lost one. Um, but they did lose two games ultimately on the season. So there you go. But let's keep it going here. Uh, Fountain Fort Carson <clears throat> talked about Hugh Jones as a generational talent because he is how big of a hit that will be for them. Um, was concerned about them losing three All-State linemen. Talked about Tavion Tully uh, at quarterback and how, you know, he has potential as an athletic quarterback. But we did say he needs to lower his turnovers and score more um last year he was with q jones he was a little bit more of a you know just hand off the ball maybe make some plays here and there he would have had to be more of a focal point of this offense for them to be successful but something we were sure about was their defense including ty fave uh their three-star inside linebacker Javion Fulmore, who led the team in sacks. I'm pretty sure he did something similar to that uh, this year as well. And then their elite secondary, led, led by Curtis Jackson. And, um, oh, my God, why am I forgetting? Not Lawrence Walker. It was the other one. Oh, my gosh. Cody, who is it? Jaden Allen. Allen. There you go. Curtis Jackson and Jaden Allen, Yeah. Um, we didn't know about Lawrence Walker yet, but those were Off the two of these guys, by the way, they're dogs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, so we knew their defense was going to be elite. We knew this was a defense that could score even as well. And so we said for them to find success, they need to score off of every turnover. Not the defense, you know, like scoring off of every turnover, <clears throat> but the offense would need to convert turnovers to points, basically. Uh, we said if the offense can at least score 20 points a game, you know, then they could be dangerous. We did give them the dark horse label. Um, <laughs> Cody, you said they should beat Chatfield. Um, we called the Food of Monument game a trap game and then was concerned about predicting. Uh, well, I can't talk. Was concerned about Pueblo West. 
um, predicted worst case scenario that you lose two games, which um, I think that was regular season, which uh, we were kind of right. I mean, on the season, they did lose two games. Their only loss in the regular season was to Chatfield 23 to 14. A uh, very, very tough game of there. Other than that, you know, they did their thing as a dark horse team. And, you know, speaking of a dark horse team, I'm going to talk about another team that was kind of in the same category as Fanta Fort Carson. And that was Pueblo West. We praised their giant line, starting with Vladimir Dabovich. Uh, we were concerned about the loss of Lucas Moran and most of their defensive line, but we were happy that they were returning about six of their top 10 tacklers. That's about half the defense there. Talked about how they were also returning all their receivers, plus starting quarterback Cole Brinkley, plus their two starting running backs. So there you go. They were pretty high on their offense. Uh, their biggest red flag is that they weren't properly tested last year. So there you go. Cody, you praised their secondary. Uh, I talked about their incoming freshman quarterback, Gavin Lockett, who I said would be the future of Pueblo West. I did say that I expected Cole Brinkley to take a step forward and play, though, while Gavin basically sits and, you know, plays safety and that backup quarterback role for Pueblo West. Uh, Cody, you called their secondary a legion of boom, which was interesting. <laughs> and then we said we were concerned about Pine Creek, Palmer Ridge, and Bounce for Carson on their schedule. Predicted them to go 7-3. and three, Said if they could actually go 3-0 going into that Palmer Ridge matchup, then they could potentially go on a crazy run. Now, their first three games was against Pine Creek, Pueblo County, Adams City, leading to that Palmer Ridge game. He said if they can win all those, then they'll be in a good spot. Unfortunately, oh, and then we called them a dark horse as well. Uh, but unfortunately, they got smacked around by Pine Creek 27-0 to zero in their own house. Uh, so that was tough. Went on, though, and beat Pueblo County. Adam City uh, took care of business only to get smacked around in their own house again by Palmer Ridge. Why are they losing so many home games? What the heck? That's kind of weird. But they lost to Palmer Ridge 41 to 14. Then they went away and blew out Pueblo East 31 0. Um, then they won their first, uh, well, not their, their second home game against Coronado 51 7, beat Mesa Ridge 35 17. Um, dropped a close one to Fruita Monument. We predicted that. Dropped that Fountain Fort Carson game. We predicted that as well, potentially. And then went on, you know, had a happy ending here. Uh, at least, well, Okay, at least to their uh, home stretch here in the regular season by blowing out Rampart and Vista Peak uh, with an average of 51 points, not allowing a single touchdown in either of those games right before the playoffs. So, you know, Pueblo West, they had some struggles early on, uh, but, you know, they still made the playoffs as a dark horse, Fountain Fort Carson. I uh, had a struggle against Chatfield where they lost, and then another struggle against Mason Ridge where they barely won by a literal touchdown. Um, but other than that, you know, two teams we labeled as dark horse squads. Cody or Mason, do you want to talk about our little dark horse teams here that both still made the playoffs? And, um, well, they lost the games that we expected them to probably drop here as well. Uh, I will mention that Pueblo West secondary did have 10 interceptions this year, and their leader had four. So, you know, I'd say their secondary performed okay. And, you know, 
in their in the playoffs, I know we're not jumping too far ahead, but in the playoffs, that's the Pueblo West team that I was expecting. And I I think that the biggest problem for Pueblo West was just inconsistency on offense. You know, they they were either like clicking or they weren't. Uh, and you can see that based off of, you know, their pretty sporadic amount of scores. Zero points one week, 48 the next. 35 one week, 14 the next. You know, they get a little bit of a streak here against... Well, okay, their Mesa Ridge game, that was really surprising for them to put up 35. And then the next week, they put up 21 against Fruit of Monument and then 10 against Fountain Fort Carson. Then right back to 50 and 52. And you know what I mean? Like, it was just so wavy. Uh, the the way that they scored and just when they were able to do it. And I think that it was partially based off of, you know, the field position that they were able to get from their defense. I feel like they kind of, the defense needed to play well and the offense needed was like opportunistic in their wins, more or less. And so you can't really rely on that. You have to have your offense pull their end and you have to have your defense pull their end. And uh, I don't. I just don't think that they quite found that happy middle until they ran into a very, 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 very good Palmer Ridge team. In which case, they only lost by one point in double overtime. But anyways, moving on. Um, talking about Fountain Park Carson, uh, they performed better than you know we we rated them, but they still exceeded expectations. I think, and that secondary. I mean, what else can you say? Three of their guys made our cornerback list. Uh, that's ridiculous. It was the best secondary in Colorado as far as just like senior talent goes. And uh, yeah, that, that was, they had a very impressive season. And I think that they're still, they'll still be around next season. Uh, they had a lot of juniors this year contribute and whatnot. And uh, yeah, uh, Mason. Mm, I, I agree like 110%. I want to say for Fountain for Carson secondary, it was elite this year um in that game that we saw cody uh it was crazy you couldn't throw the ball anywhere like anywhere it was every receiver was blanketed and that allowed the defensive line to get in there and do their do their job and you know disrupt that quarterback so you know i think you guys did a great job on your guys's pre you know what you thought each of these teams and everything were going to do so yeah there's nothing i can add Boom, there you go. Uh, I would agree, actually. I think this prediction was pretty spot on. I mean, there were definitely moments that both of these teams could have turned on a switch and made a pretty crazy run in the playoffs. Pueblo West, I was definitely more disappointed. I think Cole Brinkley took a really big step backwards, and I don't know. I don't know. I mean, first off, Vlad Dabovich, uh, Mason, you would agree with this. He killed it this season. Very good season. Yes, uh, so yes, does that Pueblo West line. And so, yeah, yeah. So with that being said, I don't know how you don't – I don't know, man. Did he, he threw more interceptions than touchdowns, I think. Or at least it was really close. So there you go. So that was definitely a big deal. If he did take that step forward that we anticipated, it would be a different story. I think it would be a little bit closer to our prediction not gonna lie there uh fountain for carson i do want to put some respect on tavion Tuli's name nothing too crazy i mean you know it's pretty efficient he went or he passed for 1029 yards had a 60 percent completion rating which is really good um you know 
He had he threw for 12 touchdowns, only three interceptions. That's a nice three to one ratio. And then he also rushed for 294 yards and two rushing touchdowns. So that's not bad at all, man. I think honestly, if you're a fan support Carson. Uh, if you're Tavion Dooley, actually, you could be pretty happy with that progress because that is definitely good progress compared to last year. Of course, it wasn't enough to, you know, propel them into a crazy playoff run this year, though. So there you go. Now, uh, okay, we need to talk about this prediction, and it's Broomfield. Uh, look, we praised their athletes like Cole LaCrue, Tristan Cardo, Josh Dunn. Talked about them returning the majority of their defense, including Miles Dondelinger, who we felt like could be a beast as a 6-3 safety. Talked about the significance of them losing their defensive leader, though, in Hall Edmonds. But we still expected Cola Crew to be one of the best QBs in the state. Expected them to average the offense. That is at least 28 points a game, four touchdowns a game. Uh, talked about how tall their athletes are and how they can dominate smaller teams if schemed right. And, you know, we expected a lot of shootouts, uh, you know, on their schedule with uh, with those especially tough teams. Cody said the game, well, okay, so going into predictions, Cody, I mean, there's no way you could have possibly knew this, but you said the game against Golden would not be a test. Um, well, surprise, surprise, it was a test. G- Giselle Riley happened. Yeah, they lost. Um, well, Giselle Riley didn't even play last year, so there was no way we could have predicted any of Golden's success. So, just Congratulations throwing that to out Golden, there. By the way, yeah, yeah. Uh, we also mentioned Longmont, Loveland, and Erie as teams that Broomfield needs to worry about. We said that they should go undefeated, but could see some losses against Erie or Windsor while away. And then I said, if they lose by more than one score in any of these games. I'd be extremely surprised as Broomfield was definitely the disappointment of not only this 4A season, but this entire 2021 season. I think that's pretty fair to say. I mean, maybe you could throw a TCA or something like that, but we really had high hopes for Broomfield. Let me go down the line with the regular season. Uh, lost their first game against Golden 29-22. That's a close one. Lost a shootout against Longmont 38-29. Lost another shootout against Denver South 48-40. Um, beat Monarch 28-7. There you go. Lost to Loveland 35-12. Beat Windsor barely because they needed to start winning or they're out of the playoffs 18-10. Um, beat down Silver Creek 33-17. They're rolling now. Beat Brighton 37-27 only to get stomped down on by the Erie 49-21. Um, you know, like I said, doesn't mean much, but beat Greeley West 44-21. And then uh, that led to their one-and-done game, a rematch against Longmont. But Broomfield here, I mean, we were right in one aspect. We said that they will be in a lot of uh, shootouts in some of these tougher games. I mean, three touchdowns were scored against Golden, at least Golden, Longmont, and Denver South. Those three shootouts... I wonder if those went just a little bit differently. If they played a little bit of a different game and got hot earlier on instead of trying to make all these crazy, like, you know, last-second comebacks. Maybe they win those and those three losses become dubs. And, you know, this prediction looks a little bit better. Um, Mason, you know, I'm going to throw it to you. And then, Cody, you could talk about this after. But uh, Broomfield, thoughts? I didn't get to see Broomfield play like live or anything, but 
you know, I definitely like the athletes they have over there, but I definitely agree. If they got, you know, if they got some of the games that they lost this year under control a little bit earlier in the season, I feel like it'd be better off for them. Um, they might have been able to make your guys' prediction a little bit better, but at the same time, it would just, you know, put them at that next level. Cody? I just, I just don't know what happened, man. Like, I, uh, the the ways, okay, these first three games, God, if they could walk away with a win in one of these games, but I feel like after you lose, like, a shootout to Golden, then you lose a shootout to Geeky Patterson, and then you lose a shootout to Joseph Capra, like, then the mentality in the locker room is, oh my God, we can't catch a break, you know? And once you, if you're losing games like this, I feel like the only explanation is probably a lot of finger pointing happens, you know, where it's like, well, damn, we scored 40 points, you know, like, well, what more do you want us to do? Or, you know, score 29 points. That should be enough to win a game. Then thank goodness you get this layup against Monarch. Otherwise, if you had Loveland right after this, oh my God, you probably would have been shut out because you're you confident. might not have made the playoffs if they had to play Loveland right after that. Yeah. Because that's so, a demoralizing 0 and 4 start. Yeah. So, like, it was just, it was rough. And I mean, they finally, winning this Windsor game was massive. This, that might have been their most important win of the entire season, uh, looking back. Because if they lose that game, well, obviously, they just don't make the playoffs in general. But, I mean, God, I feel like they lose that game, then Brighton and Silver Creek are licking their chops, and they're feeling pretty good about it. And then for Cola Crew, you know, this game against Erie had to be tough because he originally was at Erie, uh, which, by the way, go ahead and listen to the uh, Cola Crew and Brayden Dorman interviews um, where he kind of talks about that a little bit. But, I mean, God, once you lose to Erie and it's like, Okay, they're not a contender. And Simon and I, during these weekly recaps, like we talked about Broomfield every week on these weekly recaps because, man, we were holding out for him. And I did Cola Crew's breakdown, and I and he put up good numbers, okay? Like, and you know, Cola Crew, he ran for eight touchdowns. He passed for 21, almost 40 touchdowns in the year, 62% completion percentage, only five interceptions, like – what's what's going on here you know he was fumbling the ball they did fumble the ball a lot holy crap they lost nine fumbles that might have explained it but just like i don't know man it this this one bumps me out because i was really rooting for him and you know they were it kind of looks bad too when you look back and you know they had that interview with nine news and I was getting hype over it because they're like, oh, yeah, like we got it. We're with everybody. It was uh, Cola Crew and Josh Dunn who both had incredible seasons. And then they kind of lay an egg here. Uh, that 0-3 start. That I agree. I didn't think about it uh, throughout this season. But if they get like one better bounce in one of these games, then this entire season could look different. If they can win this golden game to start the year, if they just win one, they might win the next two, you know? And then you're talking about a swing of three wins. I really think it's that simple uh, looking at this season. But but they didn't, and then they didn't bounce back against Longmont, and then they didn't bounce back against Denver South. 
And so it's like, almost like, what are you waiting for? Like all the potential is here. They scored a crap ton of points this year. You know, they, their lowest score was 12 against Loveland, who's an incredible defense. Um, so I don't, I don't know, man. I, I was bummed about this one for sure. I was bummed about this one for sure. But, you know, Cola Cruz coming back. And uh, so is their leading running back, I believe. So they're st they still have something here. And uh, maybe next year's the time. But good Lord, this was hard to watch all season long. Uh, it was heartbreaking. In hindsight, it wasn't horrible. I mean, if those three games went differently, you know, my prediction would still be pretty close. Uh, look, Cola Crew, like you said, didn't even play bad, you know. Maybe had a couple of really slow starts, but didn't even play that bad. I think something that should definitely be considered is that Miles Dondelinger, a safety that we were really high on, um, obviously got hurt sometime this season because he only played seven games and only racked up 29 tackles, which is very, very uncharacteristic of him. And didn't even record a safe, uh, sorry, didn't even record an interception for the first time uh, in his career, you know? And so one has to think if they had Miles, you know, if he was playing up to speed against one of those first three opponents, maybe they win the majority of those. But unfortunately, football is a game of inches. You know, it is a team sport, so everything matters, you know. And so that's just how that turned out. Um, but, you know, we're going to continue to move on. We have our last two contenders here. Cody, you and I agreed on both of these. I'm going to talk about them back-to-back uh, -back here as well, just to keep this thing going here. But I'm going to talk about Dakota Rich. We talked about how they came up short a lot the last couple years uh and there was a lot of concern they were losing a lot of starters uh next to cherry creek they probably are one of those teams that lost the most starters but still got the most out of their team just gonna be honest because they did lose their starting quarterback their starting running back their starting fullback slash defensive tackle and our number one defensive tackle or defensive lineman last year or one of our uh number one defensive linemen last year and uh, Spencer Hardy and the or one of the I don't think wait hold up Collinster was our second rated linebacker last year right yeah uh, absolute dog and steal for uh Mesa but anyways yeah so basically they're losing their entire offense the entire core of their defense um all of their stat leaders essentially and um, basically, we believed in Dakota Ridge because of the raw talent between Dante Capolongo and no triplet. <laughs> like, we really, looking back, we put in a lot of faith in Dante Capolongo and no triplet. Which and was, it paid off! Yes, it was extremely well-placed. Also, talked about the potential of Adam Graves, who I felt like was a better passer than Ben, which I still think is realistic, you know. And so with, you know, two elite talents... And Dante and Noah, and then a guy and Adam who could be, you know, a low-key, like, um, pretty good starter, you know. We were pretty high on Dakota Rich. Also, plus, we love their coaching staff, and we figured they could figure it out, you know. Um, you know, like I said, we were concerned about how strong this defense would be compared to last year. But at the end of the day, we trusted the coaching staff to figure it out, you know. Um, the only games we were concerned about was First Coast. That was the Florida team they played, which they beat. Vista Ridge, which, dang it, was the game that we were supposed to see, but got canceled because of COVID. 
So that happened. So instead, Dakota Ridge Ooh. went up towards it. <laughs> that was going to be such a good game, bro. Yeah, so that's tough. Um, and then, well, this wasn't a concern for me, but for Cody, it was a pretty big concern. But Thomas Jefferson, uh, Cody, you actually said they either lose this game or the Vista Ridge game. And then Chatfield was the only other quarterback or quarterback. Chatfield was the only other team that we had uh, concerns about. Other than that, really only three teams. I did say I don't see many universes where they are one and done or two and done, which is, you know, we'll talk about that later. But I reaffirm faith in this coaching staff, which I still have a lot of faith in. I think they are very quality coaches. I love what they stand for. Love how they develop players because it is actually insane for them to do as well as they did, you know, year by year here. But, <coughs> excuse me, but that's Dakota Ridge. Now let me talk about the team that uh, <laughs> we both picked as our predicted foreign champs and that is Vistaridge. You know, we praise Braden Dorman and his receiving core of BB Hills, Dooley, and Bridges. You know, we felt like you know, that's a pretty elite offensive unit right there. Talked about Justice Laulu, who can dominate the defensive excuse me. Uh the defensive side of the ball. And then you know also phys- and we also talked about how their line should physically dominate the line of scrimmage. So there you go. Just because, uh, I mean, you know, how many big bodies they have over there, which did end up being true. And then we talked about Dom Nichols, who transferred to Vista Ridge. We said he could be a dominant force on BR, who can play offense and defense. We said, we both said he was the game changer and the reason why we picked Vista Ridge. And then, Cody, you said, I don't know if there's a secondary in the state that can stop Braden Dorman in this offense including, um, you know, Dom Nichols. And then we said the offense should put up about 30 points a week, but we did acknowledge that their schedule would be pretty tough. Um, Concerned about wins against Windsor, Dakota Ridge, Pine Creek. I threw in their Falcon, Cody. You said they don't scare you in any way. And then um, we threw in Montrose and Palmer Ridge as well. All concerns for Vista Ridge. That is one, two, three, four, five. Basically six games. That we were like, eh, I don't know. You know, Vista Ridge would go seven and four. Um, and then I think, okay. Oh, my bad. And then before I move on and hand it over to y'all, Dakota Ridge did go 11 and one, undefeated in the regular season. <clears throat> so weren't super off. I mean, Vista Ridge wasn't one and done in the playoffs. But uh, a big part of that prediction was Don Nichols. He did not. I mean, he just, was just not allowed to play for Vista Ridge, which is interesting. But then they allowed him to go back to Pomona and play there, which I love because I felt like he needed to get his playing time and do his thing, which he actually did. And, you know, he balled out for Pomona and potentially won them some games. And one has to think if Dom Nichols played for Vista Ridge, how different the season would have been. I'm going to go ahead and open it up for y'all to talk about Vista and Dakota Ridge here. Cody or Mason, go for it. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start real quick. Um, I agree to start. If Dom Nichols played for Vista Ridge, this could be could have been a whole different season. Um, thanks, Chassa. Um, anyways, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and say, you know, Dakota Ridge. I got to see them play live. They play really well, really, really well. Um, I felt like. 
personally, their defense was the part that held them back the most. Was their defense, because their offense was... It, it doesn't matter what they do on offense. They could hand the ball off, or they could throw the ball. They could do basically whatever they want to whoever they want, because their offense is that good. So I definitely agree with your guys' you know, everything you guys have, and your picks. But yeah, Vista Ridge, what a... What a sad day that Dom Nichols did not get to play there. Cody? Well, the listeners can't see, but I was holding my head because, oh my gosh, these contenders, they hurt they hurt me deep down. Um, not any fault of their own, obviously. 4A was insanely competitive, but, oh my lord. I mean, Dom not being allowed to play at Vista Ridge, you know, we, for those who are listening and they know about it, we know what you did. Um, that's all I'm going to say about that. And uh, it arguably cost Vista Ridge a championship uh, this season. But anyways, you know, they're they're still going to compete next year. They still got Braden Dorman. So, you know, they'll still be competitive. But we know what you did. And uh, you know what you did. And for arguably ruining a young man's high school career and arguably college career and chances shame on you shame on you for what you did and uh yeah that's all i'm gonna say about that in vista ridge's season and you know dakota ridge gosh i was so excited during the regular season i was like these are these are the guys and you know they just run such a great offensive scheme and their offense is just so much fun to watch it was it was a really fun time and you know they had Dante won a playmaker of the week and Noah also won a playmaker of the week, you know, and uh, yeah. And just doing a real quick recap on playmakers of the week, uh, Keegan Patterson winning it twice and being, you know, the dog that Longmont needed to be one of the surgeon teams heading into the playoffs. Not a team that we talked about too much in detail because we had so much research for four, more research for four a than any other level of football. I'm almost sure. Uh, just because there were so many teams that were in the mix, you know. Um, you know, we had Connor Cook of Palmer Ridge win a playmaker of the week. And then a team that we didn't even really get to talk about in Chatfield. You know, I we talked about them potentially being a problem for Dakota Ridge. And, well, maybe not so much in the... Well, they were a problem in the regular season. That was an incredible game. But uh, overall, you know, uh, very exciting stuff. And so I think, you know, if no one else has anything else to say... Does anyone have anything else to say about the regular season here in 4A? Nope. Nah, let's uh, let's get into the fireworks here in the playoffs. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. So the playoffs were wild, to say the least. Um, you know, it was a very packed playoffs, and there was probably the most room for error here just based off of the teams that were here. You know, I'm just going to talk about my playoff bracket here a little bit and we got plenty wrong in this one and that's all right just because uh kudos to those teams that did kind of pop off here but you know in the 4a playoffs i did have uh denver south beating montrose which did not happen montrose following a bye and denver south and mesa ridge playing a great game and a great rematch i should say of their season denver south is a team that i wish we talked about a little bit more um, but there were some concerns with who they were graduating, but they filled the gaps well and maybe even got some better talent out of it. You know, Joseph Capra, 
and uh, Rashad Caldwell Jr. both being absolute ballers and coming back this next season. Uh, but they did lose to Montrose. And so obviously I didn't have Montrose going to the Final Four. Um, but, uh, you know, I had Denver South going to the Final Four and they did not. I also predicted Golden to beat Fountain Fort Carson. And that didn't happen, but they did beat Cheyenne Mountain very convincingly. And uh, that was that kind of corner of the bracket. In my other corner, I did say Vista Peak Prep was going to beat Pueblo West. And that was an L because Pueblo West whooped up on him 52 to 0. But I did have Palmer Ridge beating the winner of that game regardless. Then I took Fruta Monument over Brighton, which was correct. And I did take Erie over Fruta. And then over on the other side of the bracket, I took Longmont to win the second time over Broomfield, which they did. And then I had Dakota Ridge beating Longmont, which they did. And I got to attend that game. And it was a very exciting game with some of the best offensive players in the entire state period of any level. And so I was really glad. 56 to 35 does not indicate how exciting that game actually was for sure. Then I think we all had Aurora Central beating Ponderosa. But Ponderosa did end up getting the dub there. And Chatfield actually earned a bye as the seventh seed. And I had Chatfield beating whoever won Ponderosa versus Aurora Central, which ended up being true. And then I had Pine Creek making its way to the Elite Eight here uh, with victories over Bear Creek. Bear Creek did beat Windsor and Pine Creek then did beat Bear Creek. And then Vista Ridge over Skyline. And then I did have Loveland over Vista Ridge. And so my Elite Eight, my Elite Eight was pretty accurate, I would say. I had Dakota Ridge Chatfield, Pine Creek Loveland, Palmer Ridge Erie. The only one that was incorrect was Denver South and Golden when it should have been Montrose and Fountain Fort Carson. You guys want to kind of get us down to the Elite Eight because that's when things really started to heat up, I'd say, is in the Elite Eight. But there's still interesting storylines to talk about, you know, before that. So I just want to open the floor to anyone who's who wants to answer. Yeah, no, the only place that I really messed up for my Elite Eight was I took Vista Ridge over Loveland. Um, and then I had Debra South and Golden as well. Everywhere else... I had the same, except for I did take, you know, Aurora Central over Ponderosa, Ponderosa won. I had Chaffield beating him regardless, but yeah, that's where I was at. Sweet. Uh, yeah, I, I was pretty much in the same spot as you, Cody. Because um, you had Montrose versus Golden, or was it Denver South versus Golden? I had Denver South versus Golden. Oh, okay. Well, I had Montrose versus Golden, so I was just one team off. From uh, being perfect going into the Elite Eight there. So so there you go. But obviously, Fountain Fort Carson, embarrassed Golden. I We've talked about it a lot. So there you go. But we, we could keep this thing moving, though. Uh, so basically, my bracket, I had Palmer Ridge versus Dakota Ridge in the chip. You know, I had, well, first off, it didn't matter whether it was Montrose, Golden, or Fountain Fort Carson coming from that other side. I felt like it was either going to be Palmer Ridge or Erie that was going to beat them. And so when Palmer Ridge did play Erie, I think it's important to throw out there that uh, Anthony, Anthony Costanzo wasn't suited up. Was that right, Cody? Yeah, he was on the sideline. I'm not sure what the story of the injury was, but I definitively saw him on the broadcast, not on the field. And I know that I would have been able to tell because, you know, 
the safety wouldn't be making tackles at 10 yards. The safety would have been making the tackles at four or five or six, probably in the run game, which is what Costanzo does. And uh, yeah, there's also pictures of him, you know, uh, in that game that just in his jersey, no pads on. Uh, otherwise, that game could have been very different. Obviously, we make the brackets without predicting injuries or whatnot. And um, but, you know, that's an important thing to keep in mind. Because I agree with Simon that Quadrant 2, uh, one of those two teams was stronger than probably anyone in Quadrant 1. I don't think Palmer Ridge loses a second time to Montrose if that's the rematch that happens. Yeah, no, probably not. Uh, Cody, do you want to talk about Derek Hester's play in that game? Um, I, From what I heard, he completely fell apart is what I got from that. Yeah, Palmer Ridge was missing Luke McAllister or Ty Evans in this game. You know, Derek, he's still a young quarterback. He's still got years ahead of him. But he was just... There's some plays where it's like, okay, that was a great decision and a solid throw. And then the next was just so inaccurate, like sailing it over receivers' heads. It was just like so inconsistent and kind of gave it gave me like Fitzpatrick not Fitzmagic but Fitzpatrick vibes a little bit you know just being able to hit these like you know little short dots and then occasionally a deep ball but then just missing these really easy passes like sailing an in route sailing a hitch route usually it was just like a lack of control on the arm or you know he would get flustered in the pocket without too much pressure happening and that definitely, I would say that cost Palmer Ridge this game. But also on top of that, Blake Barnett in this game was mobbing, dude. Oh my God. He was moving the chain so much. He was lowering his shoulder. Like he didn't, he said, we are getting into the final four. I don't care. And that was Blake Barnett's mentality uh, throughout this entire playoffs, honestly, was just playing strong, playing big. And then, you know, obviously Caleb, Caleb was carving up this Palmer Ridge defense Uh whether it was through swing passes, you know, because he's a back that can kind of catch out of the backfield a little bit, or whether it was runs, you know, the eerie, uh, that eerie line was opening up holes just big enough, but Caleb's vision and finding cutbacks and cutout lanes was phenomenal in that game and ultimately led to an eerie victory. So uh, that's what I had to say about that. I also watched the uh, Chatfield-Dakota Ridge game, so I'll touch upon that real quick. I had Dakota Ridge actually going all the way to the championship and Dakota Ridge was in the driver's seat in this game leading by as much as you know like 21 or 24 points but Chatfield you know the the story of the Chatfield Chargers this year is down but not out you know finding themselves behind in quite a few games they did not give up in this rainy game against Dakota Ridge and stormed back on this Friday night I know because I had COVID, so I was watching the broadcast. And um, they, it was just Chatfield, touchdown, touchdown, touchdowns. I lost track of the score because the NFHS was garbage. But anyways, um, I was like, wait, how many points does Chatfield have? I was trying to figure it out on max preps, and that was all screwy. I just had no idea what was going on. But I knew that when a pass got deflected off a receiver into a Chatfield defender's arms, that was game and Chatfield punched their ticket to the Final Four and successfully got revenge on their undefeated league rival. And that was nuts. Uh, but those were the games that I watched. 
that sent uh, Chatfield and Erie to the final four. Um, so yeah, Mason, do you have any reactions to those games before Simon fills us in on Pine Creek Loveland? Yeah, no, uh, I thought it was just insane to be honest with you. Like when I was sitting there and then, you know, you text the group chat and you're like, Chatfield just beat Dakota Ridge. That just like threw, well, for one, it threw a wrench in all of our, you know, playoff brackets. Um, I actually had Golden going to the chip. So mine was pretty over because I had them winning uh, after, you know, they took a whooping from Fountain Fork. That Giselle Riley Kool-Aid. Hey, man. Like, I, I, I legit, trust that guy. Legit. Yeah, I was going to say, I trust that guy with the ball in his hands. So, you know, he just faced, like like we were saying earlier, Fountain Fork Carson with an elite defense. But, you know, then Dakota Ridge was my runner-up. So I was like, oh, I guess Dakota Ridge is going to take this chip this year. And then Chaffield beat him. I was like, oh, man. And then I had Palmer Ridge beating Erie. And then, you know, Erie won. I was like, oh, man. My whole 4A bracket down the down the drain right after, you know, the Elite Eight. Everything's gone. Well, that is tough. <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I got you, though. I mean, this, this bracket will get out of hand here for me pretty soon here. Not even going to lie. Um, look. Not much to talk about in Pine Creek versus Loveland. This was a hard-hitting game. Joe Geroy would come out of this game. Um, this would basically end his senior career, actually, uh, with that injury back in the second quarter of this game. But, you know, Cameron Cooper would come in, and Pine Creek barely wins this game uh, because of a goal line stand led by standout linebacker. And plus, also snuffed from the All-State list. Uh, Brett Alvey, who just came out of nowhere and just popped the running back on a sweep. And, I mean, it was lit, you know. Uh, the Pine Creek uh, fan base was going crazy with that uh, because they just secured a very huge win over Loveland, the first one in almost 10 years. And so uh, there you go there. But that basically does set up the final four here. We got Montrose versus Erie. That was a game that was wild. I got to cover that one and talk about that in the recap. And then we have Chatfield and Pine Creek, another very, very wild game here. And so I'll talk about the Montrose Erie game real quick here. Um, hey, I mean, Erie was down. You know, Montrose was presumably going to win state. Uh, or, sorry, not going to win state. They're going to go to state, you know. Um, they were up. Shoot, I want to say they're up by 14, something like 21 to 7 or something like that in the fourth quarter with like six minutes left. And Erie, I mean, they went ahead and they got it done. Uh, Blake Barnett scoring all the touchdowns for Erie here in the last quarter here. And then I think Erie would uh, – didn't they onside kick it, Cody? Yes. Um they line up like they're going to do an onside kick every single kickoff. So teams don't really know what to expect. And they line up like they're going to go for two every single time, too. Um, and then shift into a, uh, like, PAT formation, which I think, obviously, as an opponent, that's probably annoying as hell. But I think it's, uh, obviously, it played to their advantage here in, you know, their biggest comeback of the season. Down 28 to 14 uh, with six minutes left. There you go. Yeah, 28 to 14. And so, Erie, I mean, they, they found a way to get it done. Blake Barnett, the MVP, gets it done and sends Erie to the 
first ever 4A state championship in Erie history. On the other side of the bracket, you have Pine Creek led by Cameron Cooper. Tried Jojo Roy for literally one carry. Wasn't going to be it. They put in the freshman Cameron Cooper in his first ever real like high school football game here against Chatfield, a team that is on fire, outscoring the likes of Ponderosa, beating a tough Aurora Central squad, beating a Dakota Ridge squad. You know, so they're, they they got it going right now. And against Pine Creek, Pine Creek going up really early on, you know, they're up by two or three scores at one point. And then key fumbles from um, Cameron Cooper. Brock Narva, I think, actually, well, I don't know like, what matter. Let me let me take a step back here. But key fumbles by Cameron Cooper, the freshman, and then Mason Miller, the sophomore running back for this Pine Creek squad. Um, Brock Narva <clears throat> got a key strip here. I think on Mason Miller, it was a dive, and he just got on there, and he just took the ball away from him. And, you know, that will basically change this entire course for Chatfield as Brock Narva, one of the, well, their youngest um, starter on varsity, making big plays. And that would fuel a comeback against Pine Creek, who just couldn't put away the turnovers here with so much inexperience in their backfield. And, uh, you know, that would eventually send Chatfield into state. I want to let y'all react to those semifinals games because I know Y'all were at the state game. So, uh, so yeah, go ahead and uh, talk about uh, thoughts. Uh, I mean, they were wild. These were probably some of the most wild semifinal playoff games in the entire state. I had Erie going to the championship, and they made it to the championship, all right? Uh, so I was stoked to see them beat Montrose. Um, the sequence of plays that led to that, it was one thing to try and keep up with it, through max preps it was another thing trying to keep up with it through the news but it was perfect hearing it uh from the erie coach at media day simon i know that you you as well had a lot of fun with it and uh <laughs> you know erie almost lost that game too because Montrose hit like a 40-yard bomb uh on the on the next drive after erie got the lead with like you know barely any time left and i remember the coach of erie this is when i became his biggest fan he's like the reporter's like, what was going through your head? Uh, you know, why, why did, were they able to hit that big pass? And he's like, oh, because some idiot told the kids that, you know, they always put that guy in motion, but they never throw to him. And then they did. <laughs> it was like, I just thought that was super funny and an honest moment out of that Erie head coach, who I believe it was his first year, actually, as the head coach of Erie or something like that. So congrats. They have a lot to look forward to uh, with this program. But really, you know, uh, that was an exciting game. Obviously, one point that might have been the well, no, the state championship game was more exciting. But nonetheless, these four A playoffs were so wacky and wild and fun, uh, is what I have to say about that. And then Chatfield, you know, they uh, they were tired of getting looked down on, is what I'd say. You know, they got back to back revenge wins. Sometimes you can't write anything better than that. Uh, heading into this chip game. But, uh, you know, if, Simon, you don't have anything else to, to add on to it, I'll pass it to Mason. And Mason, if you want to talk about these and then talk about the state game a little bit, go for it. Yeah, no, I definitely will, man. Uh, yeah, the back-to-back -back revenge games is kind of a sick, you know, it's kind, of, it's kind of that bittersweet ending for Chaffield, you know. Even if they, you know, going at this point, even if they don't win state, they just got back-to-back 
wins to knock two other contenders out of state. You know, so that's pretty sick for them. And to win that game after like completing an onside kick, which doesn't happen very often, regardless of the level of football, that's just bittersweet. But, you know, being what it was, Cody and I were at uh, the state championship game. And Simon, if you don't have anything else to add, um, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about that. Yeah, go for it. (laughs) All right, sweet. So, you know, this game was electrifying. Uh, You know, we were watching it. And in the first half, it was all eerie. Um, Cody, was it 21 nothing at halftime or was it 14? I think you mean like the first quarter. Oh, yeah, you're well, you know, it was pretty quick. Erie went up Erie really, was really hot. fast. Yeah, they came out throwing the rock like nobody's business. And then everyone in the booth was like, Oh, it's gonna be like this, it's all like this. And Cody looks at him and goes, goes, No, don't count Chatfield out. <clears throat> don't count him out. They've been like this all all year. And sure enough, man, Chatfield came back slowly, you know, doing what they do best, running the rock. They had that one run up the middle that went for like 50 and then went in for a score on the next play. Like Jake Marshall, you know, Mason Lowe, Brock Narva. God, they freaking, yeah, they had that three-headed monster over there. And all three of them just ran the rock so effectively, bringing the game down to where, you know, Erie at the end, you know, had, you know, one heck of a, you know, drive were winning. And then, you know, giving the ball back to Chatfield. Chatfield could successfully, you know, makes a hook and ladder, which mind blowing. I've never seen it done in any type of game ever, especially not in person. You know, I've seen videos of it, but, you know, they complete a hook and ladder on one of their two, only two completed passes of all game. Then they they run the rock like three more times in a row. And it looks like they're about to run it again. And then their second completed pass goes for the game-winning touchdown. That game was one of the sickest games I think I've ever been to in person. So, Cody, is there anything you want to add for that? Dude, this game was about to go to overtime before uh, a Chatfield. Oh, my goodness. That coach left the game uh, with a wheelbarrow. For the amount of confidence that he had in his team and his guys didn't let him down i mean dude the hook and ladder that they ran wasn't like any hook and ladder i've ever seen um it wasn't a catch and then a pitch it was like a volleyball set back to the receiver which is i mean their sophomore quarterback i think his name's jake jones he'd thrown like <sighs> dude okay i want to get the exact number on this he did not throw a lot of passes this year because, you know, they were just a – they weren't like that. But, yeah, Jones had thrown 85 passes all season. Oh, wait, no, this is including the state game. 83 passes all season up until this point. And he threw more interceptions than touchdowns in the season. But all he needed to do was hit two passes – and he hit those two passes. And the game-winning touchdown pass, it was the best throw of the day. Best catch of the day. 
and best catch that he it was that only dude. in a place where the receiver could catch it and he dove for it that uh, if he if he would have dropped that that would have been game but at the same time well overtime but at the well, same time I'm gonna say best throw of the day, not best catch, because Aiden Oxiger did moss oh, the yeah, crap right. out of that one Jackfield <laughs> yeah, defender. Right. He he sunned him, but uh, regardless, it was a phenomenal game. I know that in the uh, in the pre in the episode that we recorded before that I chose Erie because you know I was like I picked him to make it to state, but in the back of my head, you know, and watching the game. I, I wanted a good game, but I was like, you know, part of me was rooting for Chatfield too. I was like, you know, what what if they just proved everyone wrong one more time? Like there's something so magical about the run that they had and the season that Jake Marshall produced and the offense that they, you know, kind of put together as they went along and Brock Narva's performance in a state championship game. I talked about it in the newcomer of the year awards. It was absurd, you know, the hook and ladder play intercepting Blake Barnett to, I believe that was the one to end the half actually. So keeping Erie out of the end zone right before half and then, you know, tackling Blake Barnett in a one-on-one on fourth down to force a turnover and downs. My money it wasn't was like, yeah, it wasn't like, you know, Blake Barnett didn't put his shoulder down and go through him because he laid a lick on Narva, but Narva Brock brought got him down. popped hard. And then he stood up and completed a hook and ladder. Like, <laughs> so yeah, that was an incredible performance from a lot of different, all the playmakers that we talked about all year in recaps and in the playoffs, they're the ones who showed up. Mason Lowe had an interception in that game and a pretty decent return. And he was a playmaker of the week. And a guy I talked about last year, it was just, it was the culmination of just a lot of great football players and phenomenal coaches, probably like, one of the best chess matches of coaches uh, all season, and a crazy Man. game that literally ended at the last second. It was back right. and forth all all day. Simon, so. what do you, what do you think about all that? Wish could have been there. I mean, well, I also wish I was at in power field as well in general. But no, I mean, it sounded like a great game. I mean, playmakers came out to play. That's all you could hope for. I mean, I don't have too much more to add on here, but, you know, like we have been doing here, do want to ask y'all one final question as we wrap up for a, our little rundown here. But, uh, you know, what are the chances that Chatfield and Erie face off one more time in state next year? Cody, Mason? I wouldn't put it past it. Uh, I think both of these programs have a lot of young studs. Obviously, Chatfield is tasked with replacing Jake Marshall, whose combination of size and speed is pretty phenomenal. But I mean, the confidence that Jake Jones has to be feeling after completing that game-winning touchdown pass, his trajectory could be sky high from here. Uh, Because sometimes all you need is one play to go right. And he had a game-winning drive go right for him. And so, you know, Jake Jones, at quarterback, could step up a lot. They still have Mason Lowe, who's entering his senior year and is going to be one of the best gadget players in the entire state. And Brock, they have three more seasons of Brock Narva, uh, who's slowly building one of the best resumes, arguably in Colorado football history, with his performance only as a freshman in state. And then obviously, Erie, Blake Barnett. You're responsible for 50 touchdowns. Yeah, you're you're still, and he's only a sophomore, so. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know if that's where I'm going to put my money right now, but I wouldn't be surprised. I don't want to write off either of these coaching staffs and none of these players. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. And I think it all depends for, for, you know, for Erie, I think it's more likely for them right now to go back right away. But Sheffield, I think it's how they get, you know, and replace Jake Marshall. Um, as long as they can replace Jake Marshall, I don't see why we wouldn't see a rematch. And man, that would be one hell of a game and I would definitely be there. Um, it's been, it was one wild, wild game. And it, I can personally say it was probably one of my favorite games of the season. So, yeah. All right. Well, there you have it. Um, <clears throat> look, I realize I asked the question, but honestly, 4A is going to be four is going to be different next year. Well, with assuming 6A is added on, because we probably won't see the same uh, spread of teams. Um, this year as we will in the next couple years because I know a lot of teams are moving up. Some are staying. Uh, Pine Creek for sure I think is moving up. Um, Dakota Ridge I think is moving up as well. But I have heard that maybe Chatfield won't move up. Townsend Fort Carson won't move up. Erie just moved up so I don't think they would again. So uh, it'll be really interesting you know, to see how it all ends. Uh, here going into next year that's the biggest thing um they vote on all that stuff in april like kind of near the end of uh the school year and so we'll know for sure then and we'll do a live reaction then that might actually be another really cool stream idea just talking about teams that move up or down um because teams can choose to not move up and can request to stay in the uh division that they are in the level they are in and so we'll see but um for sure though this foray class has been, I mean, crazy deep, crazy unpredictable as well. So it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out when all is said and done. But uh, with that being said, we have our last season in review, 5A coming up next. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We're going to finish up our season in review by talking about 5A. Now, our 5A episodes are... Oh, I thought I did, but that's weird. Never mind. Well, you can go check out our 5A previews. We did uh, break them into two parts. And, you know, when we did do our 5A uh, season previews, you know, the, the season was already going on. Next year, that will not happen. We will get everything out, hopefully, by by the first game of the regular season so that you have up your 5A, I guess, um, you know, thoughts and predictions and whatnot before anything goes down. But, you know, in that first part, we talked about basically five teams that we feel like can make some noise, potentially make a deep playoff run and whatnot, and, you know, challenge the Cherry Creeks and Valors of the world, obviously, I think everyone knew this. I mean, Cherry Creek and Valor were going to be the two teams that uh, we had as contenders, naturally, as Cherry Creek did win the last couple of championships of Valor, being the team that they whooped on the last couple of championships as well. But, you know, other than those teams, you know, we want to talk about these first five. So let's go ahead and start with Thunder Ridge. And so uh, in that 
preview episode, we talked about how they struggled last year, but we were high on them because, you know, they thrashed far northeast. And I mean, you know, it's far northeast and I'm sure they won that spring championship. That was pretty fresh in our minds and whatnot. But uh, I mean, in hindsight, I think every team thrashed far northeast. But for Thunder Ridge to do that, you know, gave us a lot of reason to be uh, pretty high on them. You know, we really liked Seth Frazier last year. He completed like, you know, a very efficient 60% of his passes. We like the athletes around him as well, such as uh, his running back, J.D. Rickford, and then Chase Tompkins, who played kind of that Debo Samuel role, playing both running back and receiver this year, you know, and then a bunch of other guys on that deep or on that offense as well you know thunder ridge was a team that you know we talked about and said that usually they're a defensive type of team but this year we expected their offense offense to be super explosive uh because of the size they had up front plus you know they have a quarterback they have a bunch of skilled players you know and so uh we were we were really high on thunder ridge now we were concerned about them losing their star linebacker tyson lambert uh he was our number one rated middle linebacker last year. And, uh, you know, they were losing a lot of guys on the defensive side of the ball in general. You know, they're going, they were losing the majority of their starters. And so that was a pretty big concern about that. Uh, but we did say, you know, they could probably upset somebody in the playoffs, but we were all, I mean, we just weren't sure how far they can go in the playoffs. Now, before we move on here, you know, Thunder Ridge, they did go 9-3 uh, and three on the year. Basically, 9-2, and um, nine and two, right, on the year in eight the regular two. season. Sorry, 8-2, and two, my bad, in the regular season here. As uh, they only had losses against Valor Christian, who they lost to 52-21. to And then going back a little bit farther, they lost to Arapahoe, another team we'll talk about here later. 38 to 14, but they did get big wins, you know, over, you know, some teams that were kind of having down seasons, which kind of led to us giving them a little bit more hype than maybe they deserve. I'm not even going to lie because they did start the season blowing out far Northeast 47-0, blowing out Doherty 34-7, blowing out Eagle Crest 29-0. Uh, even after that, a rap loss, you know, they went on, they uh, put down Pooter 41-0, beat Rock Canyon. This was a Probably a pretty close game. Um, well, this was a really close game, closer than the score indicated. 28-18 against Mountain Vista. You know, they beat them 35-16. Um, and then, you know, they got a pretty dominant win against Castleview. This is probably one of their most, if not basically their only um, quality win of the season, beating them 38-3. Because um, they would go on to be Highlands Ridge 49 48 to nine before getting that L against Valor. But, you know, we do want to kind of keep it talking about the regular season here and Cody or Mason. Uh, what did you think about Thunder Ridge? Uh, I'll go ahead and jump in first here. I remember looking at Seth Frazier's stats from the last season and thinking, you know, cause when I'm looking at a quarterback on a losing team, you know, I want to look at, all right, what was their com completion percentage and what did their decision-making kind of look like? You know, were they able to complete passes, which, you know, typically indicates good reads if it's especially high in completion percentage. 
as well as, you know, what did their TD to INT ratio look like? And, you know, if you have that, if you have a quarterback that could co accomplish those two things, then you probably have a pretty hopeful outlook uh, for your offense in general, you know, because, I mean, at the end of the day, quarterbacks who turn the balls over less uh, lead, you know, championship teams. And that's, you know, that's step one is obviously you want a dynamic quarterback, but you also want one who doesn't turn the ball over. I liked what I saw out of Seth Frazier's, you know, numbers from the last year. They were dealt a pretty tough hand. I mean, a lot of teams kind of had an off year or a really on year, depending on COVID and what season they played in, you know, so it was kind of hard to judge, you know, this upcoming season. But I was like, you know, let's take a flyer here. Thunder Ridge is usually a solid program. They're honestly one of the better all around athletic departments, I'd say, uh, you know, here in 5A with the level of success that they see in basically every sport. And, you know, for them to have a down year in football was a bit odd. So I, I put my faith in Seth Frazier here and he delivered. I mean, to the tune of 27 touchdowns, eight interceptions, another 800 yards on the ground, basically another eight touchdowns. Like that is a monster season that he had. Then, you know, obviously we we were kind of put on a little bit to Thunder Ridge in some way by uh, our buddy Gabe Cardenas over there at Glove Work, who, you know, he, he uh trained and coached up you know uh chase tompkins and a jack horsford here as well who both went on to have you know around 500 yards and 20 combined touchdowns so you know uh great seasons out there from guys at thunder ridge based off of you know kind of their culture and then you know some guys that we noticed right before the season and then after that first week this season you know uh look blowing out far northeast isn't the you know you don't win a trophy for it, but I mean, blowing any team out, I think is a pretty big deal and will put the, you know, the league on notice and their improvements. I'd say that they were dramatically improved by the time they got to the playoffs based off of their loss margin to Arapahoe the first time versus later. But that's all I have to say on Thunder Ridge. Yeah, I'd say for me, uh, I thought Thunder Ridge really came out and played really, really well. You know, um, I was honestly surprised, you know, nine and three overall, uh, eight and two or, or yeah, eight and two, you know, before playoffs and everything. I thought it was pretty, you know, great of them. Um, I, I can't really say anything other than echo exactly what Cody just said. Uh, Seth Frazier played insane. And I think, you know, it really showed on their defense, you know, putting up, you know, those goose eggs like they do. So, yeah. All right, fair enough. Yeah, Thunder Ridge, I mean, no doubt. They still had a very good season, you know, found success. Uh, you know, stuffed the stats for sure, you know. Uh, their offense was extremely explosive, looked very good. And, uh, you know, defensively, they show slowly got it together, you know. And so Thunder Ridge, I mean, uh, look, in my opinion, they didn't really play that many challenges or beat that many challenges. But, you know, a winning season's a winning season. They still made the playoffs and whatnot. Uh, you know what, we'll, we'll talk about the playoffs here in a little bit. But uh, speaking of the playoffs, the next team I want to talk about is the team that they were supposed to play in the first round, and that is Fairview High School. Now, uh, when we recorded this, like I said, we just went to our first games that week, but we only went to one game that week, and that was Fairview versus Boulder in Boulder. Um, first off, probably one of my favorite memories ever as far as football goes. 
you know, that stadium is absolutely beautiful. The views, the sunset, the vibes. Cody, Mason, before I talk more about Fairview, I mean, do you have anything you want to say about that? Because, like, honestly, that first game between Fairview and Boulder was was everything we could ever hope for in, uh, you know, in the first football game of the 2021 Colorado football season. I just want to say um, I wouldn't mind going back to that stadium every year. It is beautiful, man. The view, you know, obviously we watched a really good game there, but just the view in general was pretty insane. So I would say uh, um, we're definitely going to go watch that game. <laughs> I want to I want to shout out Liam Hughes, who is actually able to join us. I think that was the only game he was able to join us for this season. But, you know, he also was there. And it was fun just hanging out with the boys and uh, watching some football and one of the best debuts of a freshman in Colorado high school football history. I'm willing to go on record saying that and, you know, putting the entire country on notice in that game. But, you know, like Mason and Simon both said, uh, beautiful view, the flat irons, the sun setting, the battle, the battle for Boulder is really what it was. And, uh, you know, it, it set a, lar- a loud tone for Fairview. Also, Mason learned a very important lesson that game to not just tell me, uh, I'll take whatever to drink. Uh, and uh, it, it still lives every time we go and see a game. Mason's very specific on what he wants to drink now. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't know even if I know the context of that outside of... <laughs> He's just said, but you know, let's let's keep it going. Uh, Mason and Cody, yes, I would actually love to go to that game every single year. You know, um, first off, our boy Beckham Critz is out there, and he's he's prime time. But other than that, you know, probably the prettiest views that you'll ever see if you're gonna watch a Colorado high school football game. And there's a lot, you know, Manitou Springs has a really nice setup as well. I'm not gonna lie, even though it's obviously a lot smaller than Boulder. But you know what? We're talking about Fairview here. So let's talk about Fairview here. Now, obviously, not only, you know, just in this recording, but before even we went to this Boulder game or this Fairview-Boulder game, you know, we were concerned about them losing, you know, their starting quarterback, Liam O'Brien, who, by the way, is going to Penn. Congrats to him. He took a year to, uh, I think he went to either a JUCO or a prep school or something like that. And then near the beginning of that year, um, you know, he got offered uh, to Penn. And so that's where he will be going. Uh, super smart guy. And so congrats to him. Uh, but also wide receivers, Jay, Jay Barry, Josh Rowland, two guys who are playing on the next level. You know, that's who Fairview was losing. I think both of them played DB as well. So that's a pretty big deal, both offensively and defensively. And then Fairview was also losing their three-star defensive lineman, Braden Wood, who is now over at Kansas State doing their thing. And so, you know, Fairview was losing, uh, honestly, quite a bit of talent going into this new year. I mean, this year was basically uh, a new era. You know, Grant Page, of course, was still there. I mean, you know, he was going to do his thing. But for the most part, it was a pretty much a brand new era of Fairview football here going into that Fairview Boulder game. And honestly, that game was was hype. You know, it got us really excited about the future of uh, uh, Fairview. And even right now, this season, like, we were really excited out coming out of that game. I mean, uh, first off, getting to see Grant Page live, you know, it's different, man. That dude is just different. And that game, you know, he had a very good, 
I mean, obviously, a performance that you could hope from from one of the best athletes in the entire state. He got a rushing touchdown, a receiving touchdown, an interception, all in one game. And we, well, at least I haven't seen all of that in person since at any Colorado high school football game. And so rightfully so, he obviously won player of the week on the 5A level. You know, we said he was going to be a problem just as a football weapon. I mean, Fairview obviously is known for passing the ball. Grant Page is a receiver, but in that game, you know, they showed that they could get pretty uh, creative running the ball as well. Obviously, they had Zach Lewis and, you know, a couple of those linebackers carrying the ball kind of in that, uh, you know, power back role, but then they would put Grant Page at Wildcat and basically run it with him as well. And so that showed a very, very, you know, uh, I guess unique uh, forward of their offense that they had developed with Grant Page there. So, you know, that way, you know, um, Beckham Kritza didn't have to do all the rushing himself. And so we like what we saw there. Uh, we really liked Zach Lewis. He was obviously the lead, one of the leaders of this team and of this defense. You know, he we looked to him to be a big part of this defense, which he was. You know, uh, me and Mason were really high on him. Fortunately, he just did finish outside of our 5A depoy um, finalists, which we will drop eventually here, but was definitely in consideration there. And then, you know, the biggest thing about Fairview was their offense, you know, like always. But we were excited about the young offense led by freshman quarterback Beckham Kritza and his boy freshman wide receiver Jordan Rochelle, who in this first game showed off great chemistry, you know, off the bat. You know, they were doubling Graham Page and all that, and that was fine. And that allowed Jordan Rochelle to really get open and, you know, make the most out of a lot of opportunities. I think he uh, caught two touchdowns in his first game, that rivalry game there. And, you know, altogether, we just liked how they spread out the ball, you know, let their playmakers work. It was a good deal. You know, Fairview looked extremely strong. We also said that, you know, uh, Beckham Kritza, I mean, he put up really good numbers, but that was only the floor to his potential. He could have done a lot more damage there, and he still threw for 300 yards because I'm sure he, uh, I'm pretty sure he had kind of a tough third quarter because uh, Grant Page would come out for that. And so, that was that you know that was obviously a little bit of a concern, but as a freshman quarterback of a spread offense, I mean, what more could you be happy for? You know, I mean, he did his thing, and you know that led us to be really, really excited about Fairview. And honestly, Fairview season did not go as they intended. They did go six and four in the regular season, and that does include a devastating loss. Um, not only to Chaparral, but, you know, to their team in general. Cody, do you want to talk about that and talk about the regular season as well? Yeah, so, you know, obviously that opening game, super impressive, riding really high on them. And then I went out to that Chaparral game, and I tell you, it was like a punch to the gut that knocked the wind out of this Fairview team. Not only do I think, well, okay, not only did I witness it completely halt their momentum in this game and kind of suck the air out of any chance of winning this game, but I think it carried over very strongly into the next week as they did get thumped by Legacy 38-8. Legacy, obviously, they have some great athletes there and some great defensive backs, you know, uh, listen to our 
top corners as well as honorable mentions our top running backs list and you know i think that this just kind of threw a wrench in their whole season you know beckham was definitely using grant page as a security blanket you could see in the very next week actually i watched the highlights of the castleview game after boulder and you know in that loss he was targeting over targeting grant page i would say you know and uh that this game the chaparral game and this legacy game forced beckham to really kind of grow up you know to give his team even the slightest chance at winning their league and you know in some ways he did and it definitely helped uh jordan rochelle grow a whole bunch obviously because a lot of those targets that grant page was getting those then went to rochelle and then you know obviously ben anderson out there i believe also stepped up and you know helped this fairview team kind of you know make it through the rest of the season and still get a playoff berth you know which is important and something very exciting to see from you know uh, a younger team you know they are graduating some guys but overall i'd say this season was a success and there was a lot of lessons to be learned and i think that beckham did learn those lessons and will be super pumped and excited for next season Yeah, no, I think well. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Mason. You know, I just wanted to shout out, you know, uh, our number four offensive lineman, our interior offensive lineman, Nick Warster over there, you know, getting it done for this Fairview team and helping Beckham, you know. Yeah, you can't you can't throw the ball without a line, and he's probably one of the best pass blockers out there. So shout out to him. Yes, for sure. Nick Worcester, um, very good season. I mean, when you look at his film, his pass blocking was, I mean, outstanding you know pretty much a time after time i mean you know blocking could have, could have been a little bit better i guess but other than that you know he was one of the best pass blockers in the entire state hands down but you know fairview you know they they, they had some uh, learning to do here i mean obviously losing to chaparral and legacy both of those teams are pretty solid teams as well you know um it's tough you know there were definitely some growing pains there but i think it was needed because it made beckham and everyone on that team basically better players in the long run you know it's easy to rely on a grand page and whatnot that's fine but it's harder to face that adversity without a proven guy like that and um i think for the honestly i was just looking at beckham's film the other day you know getting ready for a little film analysis here eventually but uh you know it looked really good down the stretch as well. I mean, they would play Rocky Mountain, uh, beat them just barely, 20 to 14, but a very good performance from Beckham Kritza and Jordan Michelle in that game. Um, and a lot of guys in that game as well. Then they would go and play Fossil Ridge. You know, this was kind of a game that they really, really needed to win to, you know, keep their uh, playoff uh, hopes alive. I mean, at this point, they were like, shoot, like three and three, or sorry, four and three. And so if they drop this one, it will make him four and four. And then, you know, it, it could get a little complicated from here. And so, um, you know, they kind of turns it up. They beat Fossil Ridge. That does include Nathan Hallmark on that squad. And a nice little passing game over there as well, led by Tyler Kubat, who's somebody that we're going to have to keep an eye on for next year because he, uh, he was a passing leader as well this year on the 5A level. You know, Fossil Ridge low-key had a very, very solid season behind you know, the likes of Nathan Hallmark, obviously, uh, their star edge rusher. And then 
having Tyler Kubat in that explosive passing offense. And so, you know, for Fairview to beat them 25 to 23, that's a nice gritty game. I like that win a lot. Then they would go ahead, take care of business against Pooter, beat them 35 to 24, or sorry, 36, 24, a little closer than some would expect. And then surprisingly would drop this game against Horizon uh, 38 to 33, dueling, I believe, a fellow freshman quarterback, Cody, uh, in Alex Birch actually who had a really nice game like okay here let me let me go ahead and uh say the stat lines for these two quarterbacks in this game because i really do think these two quarterbacks could be the future or well will be the future of colorado high school football moving forward beckham kritza geez 54 pass attempts but 38 of 54 uh for 70 percent completion rating for <clears throat> 444 passing yards three touchdowns one interception alex birch for horizon he went 29 of 42 for a 69% completion rating, so 1% lower. Uh, but through for 382 passing yards and two passing touchdowns, he also had a rushing touchdown. Oh, and Beckham also had a rushing touchdown as well in this shootout. And so that was a very, very fun game. Um, Low-key very fun game because I think some people, well, even myself, overlook Horizon, but I know for a fact they have a very good young quarterback in Alex Birch out there for sure. And so Fairview, you know, would get into the playoffs. That's what matters. They had a playoff matchup against Thunder Ridge. And then we'll talk about that later. But obviously they did not play in that game as it was a forfeit. Let's keep this thing going. Let's uh, talk about the Centennial League here, actually, for a minute here. So uh, I'm going to talk about two teams here. First off, I'm going to talk about Grandview. Grandview, you know, we really put them on here, even though we probably didn't mean to before the season. But after that Pomona game, that really put us on, honestly, because it was like, okay, they were able to win a, you know, really tough, like, challenging like first off just all around awesome game you know to start the season and obviously both of these teams did have first year head coaches and whatnot but regardless the talent pool doesn't lie they have good talent over there and so you know we really like what we see we we were excited about their defense led by Kanan Rulo and Malik Singleton also we uh I did Musa Al-Safar the running back um mason's favorite player very early on uh someone who could be a serious problem and be the obvious lead back out there which he did and then we also like the debut of sophomore quarterback liam zarka you know he made some big plays including a very key strike to charlie dick for like a 70 yard touchdown that would bring grandview um closer to game that dub against pomona and was a big reason why they got that dub against pomona and then I said, this was the quote that I said about Grandview, this could be a defense that scores a lot on defense. So nothing too crazy there. But Grandview, you know, we were excited about their defense. They would have a top defense in the entire state. We knew it would be a defense that, you know, could uh, could potentially help them make a deep run. And then this offense, they're developing. We like Musa so far. We liked what we saw from Liam Zarka in that first game. And so, you know, we were, we were confident that Grandview – would be able to make a nice little run this year. Now, the other league in the Centennial League was y'all's alma maters, Arapahoe High School. Uh, obviously, love their defense, led by Jackson Adams and Jared Ramos, who we predicted to terrorize offenses around the state, which is what they did. Their defense was going to be their strong suit. That was obvious. 
Uh, Cody, you predicted that they should each record as, or the, oh, sorry, that this defense as a unit should record a sack each week. I don't know if that happened because A-Rap is very inconsistent with putting in sacks, but I, I would say that's pretty realistic, so we'll say that. Uh, we also shouted out Pyrese Miller as an excellent athlete who can contribute on both offense and defense. Talked about how their backfield should carry this offense. That does include Pyrese Miller and DJ Montoya. Um, but I did say I need to see Cole Hansen take a significant step forward for them to have a chance at state. That was my exact words here. Um, we also said that that Thunder Ridge and Grandview games were the two games that um, we said they should be ready for, obviously not including Cherry Creek. And then we said, I, think, I don't know if this was me or Cody, but someone said, by the time you face Cherry Creek, no, this was Cody. He said, by the time you face Cherry Creek, you got to be either 6-0 and or 5-1. and If you're not that, you're not legit. And then, uh, Cody, I asked you if you could put it in percentages. What is the percent that Arapaho had at going to state? You said 15%. Now, I'm going to ask you, Mason, what you think about Cody's quote there and, uh, you know, our evaluation of Arapaho at that point, it was after they blew out Rocky Mountain 41-14. to 14. Uh, Just keep in mind, and they were going to play Heritage later that week. But uh, what did you think about that? And then uh, what did you think about A-Rap's regular season here? Yeah, no, so for me personally, you know, I got to see A-Rap a couple times this year, uh, starting on, you know, the level where we got to, Cody and I got to see him against uh, Mountain Vista. That was a rough game. Um, obviously, they're going to beat Heritage. Everyone should beat Heritage, um, especially this season. But, you know, after that, they went on a tear against Underrated Rock Canyon, Eagle Crest, Cherokee Trail, beating Cherry Creek, which was one of the best games I've seen all season, not going to lie. Then Smoky Hill, and then that Grandview game that we saw right at the end of the year. Um, you know, this defensive line is probably the only defensive line that I think is better than Eaton High School in all of all of Colorado. So, you know, they obviously got it done. And yeah, their inconsistency on stats is kind of sucks to watch because I'm pretty sure they recorded at least one sack in every single game, if not more with just Jared Ramos alone being, you know, yeah, let's see how many sacks did he have. Jared Ramos alone had, uh, they say he only has 3.5 sacks. I don't think that's true, but Jackson Adam has eight. So, you know, there's a lot of sacks there. Um, I think personally, you know, they underperformed, if I'm not going to lie. Um, I think that they probably should have won uh, their playoff game, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I think they could have easily beaten Mountain Vista if they played at the same level that I saw them play ch against Cherry Creek. They could have beat Mountain Vista. And I think the Grandview games, I think Grandview is a better team, but I think they should have been a lot closer. Fair enough. Uh, Cody? Yeah, so allegedly, according to Max Preps, they did record a sack in every single game except for the Mountain Vista one, which they did lose 17-27. to Mason, I don't remember there being a sack in that game, but there is definitely tackles for losses in there that game. There was a sack in that game? Okay. Uh, so there's one somewhat error. And then against uh, Rock Canyon... 
They didn't record a single sack or a single tackle for loss. And that was actually the most points that they allowed all season. Luckily, their offense was clicking that game and helped give them a win. But then they had monster games, you know, six sacks against Heritage. Granted, they are a 4A team. But the, then, you know, against Thunder Ridge High School, who is a school that we talked about, five and a half sacks. And then against the defending state champions in Cherry Creek in an upset, they did record five sacks for 44 yards lost as well as uh, six tackles for loss. So, you know, they were on one that game, and that's the Arapaho that, you know, that version of Arapaho is the one that had a 15% chance of going to state. But we were looking at a very different Arapaho heading into the postseason. And, you know, I think we could kind of see the writing on the wall in the regular season when we saw, we went and, all of us actually went and saw the Grandview versus Arapaho game at the end of the season to determine you know, this was Arapaho's chance to win the Centennial League, and they just just didn't quite get it. And, uh, you know, some of those guys that we talked about, like Caden Rulo, had a monster game against Arapaho and helped kind of, you know, put the final nail in the coffin of Arapaho's league-winning chances. And, you know, obviously helped, you know, Grandview, tech on a technicality, secure the Centennial League dub and uh finish off a great season for grandview as well you know uh seeing as how they did go overall uh well i guess let's see in the regular season they would have went minus two minus one eight and two just like uh just just like thunder ridge but against a much tougher schedule and they went blow for blow i would say as well with cherry creek and a tight loss uh, just quickly summarizing those two other uh, Centennial League teams that we were that we had our eyes on, I should say, in the season preview. All right, there you go. Um, obviously, both of these teams played Cherry Creek, who would eventually be your state champs. I mean, spoiler alert, but it happened like a month ago, so get over it. Um, but both of these teams would play Cherry Creek really close. A-Rap actually beating them. Uh, that pick six, uh, it was uh, Pyrese Miller with that pick six, right? Would uh, win them that game, basically, in the fourth quarter. Is that right, Mason? Yeah, dude, it was Pyrese Miller. That was insane. He went out earlier with a hamstring injury at the beginning of the game, and he came back in for, like, two plays, and one of them, he took it, like, 65 yards off of, a like, a Christian Hammond to pick six to the house, man. Insane. Great way to win a game. Yeah, so there you go. Pyrese Miller, somebody that, you know, we highlighted before the season as uh, somebody who would be able to make a lot of big plays for A-Rap as just a great athlete for them. And so there you go. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Malik Singleton had a similar pick six for Grandview that would make it a one-score game. And, you know, Grandview would have a chance at winning that game on offense, you know, but they just could not get it done as this Cherry Creek defense was swarming. So, there you go. That is Arapaho and Grandview here. Um, now, <laughs> I want to talk about this team here for sure, and that is a legend. We mentioned them very early on in that predictions episode. We said that we liked Bryce Vaz a lot as their lead back moving forward uh, this year with Connor Eyes and JT Axelrod graduating. And so, I mean, look, uh, legend always has a great running back, and so it was crazy that they already had him. Um, <laughs> we said we knew about Nate Smith at safety and Jackson Rush at receiver. Nate Smith, somebody who for sure is top five 
on our list. We just, I don't know what happened there, but I guess we made a mistake. So there you go. Uh, but definitely a great player. Jackson Rush, our number one receiver um, in the state of Colorado. Or wait, sorry, our number two receiver in the state of Colorado in the class of 2022, just behind Jordan Mainfield. That was a pretty close debate even then. So, so yeah. And so um, we also felt like their quarterback, Colton Warner, could uh, make some noise uh, this year. You know, he has a lot of weapons around him. It would be pretty tough for him to not play well. Just going to be completely real with you. He's somebody that is he's up there, you know, we're doing our top five seniors quarterback list here soon. And he is definitely up there. And so uh, we'll, we'll see how that kind of, you know, figures out itself later on, but um, definitely a stud this year. And then uh, we did mention them as a semifinals kind of team would be really fun to watch with a strong offense, but a significantly weaker defense you know, not having as many dudes. Now, this season, um, I mean, what we said happened. In the regular season, uh, they basically only lost one game. That was a, and it's kind of an interesting game. They lost to Mullen, their second game of the season, 25-21. to 21. But, you know, this legend offense was rolling throughout the season, dropping 42 on Ponderosa, um, uh, 418, but still a solid 418. You know, to start the season, then dropping that Mullen game, and then dropping 35 points on Smoky Hill, 34 on Mountain Vista, uh, 42 on Westminster, beating Pine Creek in a very close game where Bryce Vaz had one of his signature games, arguably just going crazy and uh, showing that he's a he's a offensive weapon. You know, both as the running back and as the running back, he could play a little bit of receiver as well. Where they beat Pine Creek 26 to 23. Riding that wave, you know, they get another close dub against Regis Jesuit, had, who had a very good defense as well, um, just barely beating them 42-41 to 41 at this point. You know, Legend is rolling with those two close dubs. They would go on. I would be at this game against Douglas County. I thought it would be close, but this Legend offense uh, proved to be too strong as they would beat them 49-7. They would repeat that score against Doherty, beating them 49-7 as well. They played Chaparral, uh, beating the 45-14 Gs. Um, and then they would go on and end their... Um, or wait, I, don't, I can't tell if this is playoffs. I don't think this is playoffs. Their game against Rock Canyon. But they beat them 28-14. to Legend just absolutely rolling here. Uh, just having an explosive offense, you know, weapons all around. And for the most part, we were right, you know. I mean, it, we're, if you look at where Bryce Vaz... Uh, Jackson Brush, possibly Colton Warner, ranked on our top five seniors list. There's a reason why they ranked so high. It's because they had an excellent season here. Uh, Cody, I'm going to actually throw it to you because you did help me uh, rank both of Bryce Vaz and Jackson Brush here to, uh, you know, to some controversy, especially about Bryce Vaz being um, our number one running back in the state. But uh, I'm going to let you take this one and talk about legend in the regular season before uh, Mason does. Cool beans. So, you know, Legend, they're, they're a team that's kind of always been around, but, you know, they were especially impressive this year. They had one of the most well-balanced offenses with about 2,500 passing yards and nearly 2,200 rushing yards. And you love to see balance like that. 
I think that that was a huge reason that they went as far as they did. That Rock Canyon game was in the playoffs, actually following their bye, uh, seeing as how they were going to face the winner of Smoky Hill Rock Canyon. But anyways, back to, you know, just the talent that this squad has. I mean, not only did, you know, I help you rank Bryce Vaz as well as Jackson Brush, it, it was pretty easy ranking them where we did. You know, they just popped off on film. You know, the only critiques I would have, you know, is Bryce Vaz. He was struggling in that Mullen game, but then we never saw him struggle like that again. Um, you know, that Mullen game, I did t get to talk to Jackson Brush as well as uh, Breckham uh, Riser and uh, or Reeser. Ah, frick, I forget how he said his name in the interview. So just stay tuned for that one. Uh, but anyways, you know, I got to talk to those guys and they said, you know, it's just... Uh, a game that kind of got past them a little bit, but they think that it helped kind of dial in their team for the rest of the year. And that's something that I'd probably have to agree with, honestly, you know, just with, you know, the circumstances of that game, the implications of that game and whatnot. So, you know, I think it, it's a tough game to lose, but it's one that ultimately, you know, helped this team out in the long run and uh mason and simon i don't know if you guys heard but um is it luke's luke sandy is that is that the d tackles name yeah he got offered yes. to northern colorado uh yes hey I shout out to luke sandy so yesterday or today mason i want to hear your kind of raw reaction to that and how you think that you know offensive or defensive line uh, impacted legend season here and if you were surprised at how successful they were in the regular season okay offensive and defensive line wise uh they got some dogs over there on the defensive line they got some big dudes over there legend man they're insane size wise um yeah but no like their defensive line got through uh, okay i'm not going to talk about the playoff game that i saw them play in yet but you know i'll talk about that later but you know i saw them get through a lot and then offensively you know obviously with Bryce Vaz being so just dominant, you know, that doesn't just come from him being, you know, an absolute stud, which he is, you know, there's a reason he's number one on the list. But, you know, him doing 1,716 yards this year with 24 touchdowns, that comes behind the big boys on that offensive line. And they know how to run the ball and they know how to run it effectively. You know, they got it done all year long and got it done in the playoffs on a game that, you know, kind of messed up part of my bracket, but you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Well, there you go. Congrats to Luke Sandy. He was one of our uh, highest rated uh, interior defensive tackles. I think he was rated number three, if I'm not wrong, Mason behind Bo Dowdy. Is that right? Yes, that is very right. So there you go. I know he's also getting recruited to play line. Uh, I think you do both. And, um, yeah, huge shout-out to him, man. I think he deserves it. We called him a D1 type of guy. So, you know, uh, there you go. To but, be uh, honest with you, I think uh, UNC got a steal there. I think he could probably play at a higher level. So, you know, him over there with Marcus Howard, we could see something dangerous. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, no, for sure. I would have to agree as well. That's a very quality pickup by Northern Colorado. Their defense making some moves now. You know, we see y'all for sure. I want to put some respect on the name, but uh, let's let's keep this thing moving, though. Um, okay, so 
we talked about those teams, all right? But I also want to talk about the teams that, you know, we predicted as our main contenders, plus, you know, our picks to win state. And so that's the Battle Christian and Cherry Creek. Uh, let me go ahead and throw down basically what we were thinking about with these two teams. I mean, at this point, you know, it was inevitable that they were going to meet again. We could have predicted that in the preseason. I think most people did. You know, uh, Cherry Creek winning it last year, 20-0, to zero, in a very dominant win. Uh, you had a lot of seniors on the team, Chase Penry, Miles Purchase, Al Ashford, uh, Julian Hammond, um, uh, Gus Alinskis. I, I like, I don't know why I, uh, you know, blanked on his name. But Gus over there, Gunnar Helm, who's over at Texas right now. They had a lot of D1 guys. You know, so no no surprises there. They were pretty good, you know, pretty good for a reason. And so uh, the story was with this Cherry Creek team, basically they're returning like two starters, two or three starters. One of them is also a lineman in George, George Fitzpatrick, a uh, four-star lineman, our number three rated one uh, in the state of Colorado, at least, you know, ex- as far as offensive tackles go. Um, so they go there. Or wait, sorry, was he number three or number two, Mason? I might have been mistaken. No, he's number three. Okay, right no, behind, you're uh, just Makula kidding. and Alec Falk. Yep, yep, you're right. I, I almost forgot about Alec Falk. Um, yeah, so, so yeah, so Cherry Creek, I mean, you know, they have the legacy. They're coached by Dave Logan. They have talent. We knew that. There wasn't doubt that they didn't have talent, you know. It'd just be a matter of, like, okay, like, how are they – going to figure out this next journey moving forward with a whole new uh basically a whole new roster you know um we also had some questions about their quarterbacks whether it was Marte Russell that would play or Julian Hammond's younger brother Christian Hammond you know we went back and forth on that and so those are the concerns of Cherry Creek but you know we didn't doubt that they would eventually figure it out may not be the prettiest regular season but they'd eventually figure it out and you know get into state at least now valor christian you know we talked about them talked about all the d d1 players and quotation marks that they had you know a dominant defense a dominant line gavin sawchuk you know our uh, number four rated back in the state that's uh you know it's not bad he's number four that's pretty good you know obviously he's going to oklahoma too so that's cool too i guess but you know valor christian was absolutely stacked our biggest concern was their coaching staff straight up you know it was just straight up their coaching staff like we did not like how they lost 20 to 0 to cherry creek last year we felt like you know that was a game uh that should have been a closer honestly you know there's no reason that cherry creek should have like just absolutely blanketed them like that they should have at least scored is what we were saying um in the preseason here and so you know we were um we predicted cherry creek to win state i believe and then with Valor Christian, we knew that they'd probably make it there too. But they'd make it interesting because they are significantly older than Cherry Creek. They're returning basically all their starters. So at this point, there are no excuses. You know, you either win it or you don't. And with their coaching staff, you know, obviously at the time, um, and I mean, you know, it's not really just an at the time thing. This is kind of who they are, you know, but there are definitely things about homophobia and stuff like that going around about their administration and, you know, that uh, I believe it was a volleyball coach, right, Cody? Yes, it was a, I believe it was their either, well, it was an, it was an assistant volleyball coach who might have been the head JV coach. 
who did get fired or asked to resign or asked to change, however they want to spin it. Uh, but very arrogant culture over there at Valor Christian High School that, you know, was kind of reinforced by some of our interactions lately. But we'll talk about that, um, you know, later when we're pouring all of the salt in the wound. So, yeah, we still have some stories to tell. But uh, obviously, Valor Christian had. How should we say this? How should I say this? Um, we were concerned about their judgment straight up. You know, we didn't think, we questioned whether they hired the right coach. We questioned whether they had the right morals. Uh, we questioned whether they had the right, um, and just everything, motivation, whatever, you know. Valor Christian was coming off as one of those teams that we talked about in our Colorado um, football culture thing. You know, check that one out. I know that tweet is pinned on our Twitter if you want to check out the specific episode there. But, you know, they came, they were coming off as one of those teams that only played football for I mean, just to, just to say that they did play football. You know, they're coming off as over-arrogant and uh, all of that stuff. This year, they needed to change, you know. And so we threw out a lot of things at them. We also said that they didn't know how to throw the ball. Um, look, in the regular season, they figured it out slowly but surely with Colts and Allen. I did message him uh, kind of near the end of that regular season. I said, hey, man, you're killing it right now. Keep it going, dude. You're playing great football right now. You know, do what you do. And he, uh, I mean, he was really polite. He said we, he appreciates us and all that, and uh, he would do his best and whatnot. And so that was probably the only positive, you know, interaction I've had with a Valor Christian player, probably outside of Jake Mykola there. But other than that, you know, those were the concerns you had about Valor Christian. You know, a lot of things internally there, and especially when it came to game plan wise, we knew they couldn't really throw the ball uh, super well, or they really, really, they just weren't. Br- I don't know. They just weren't a built like that. So, uh, so yeah. But uh, here, we'll save all the Valor Christian stuff for later. To be honest with you, um, yeah. Let, let, how, is that okay? Like we could save all of that for the playoffs. I mean, no surprises here. They went undefeated, you know. But uh, Cherry Creek had a much more interesting story here. So I'd like to hear what y'all thought about this Cherry Creek team here. Um, you know, in the regular season, because they did have a lot of ups and downs. Cody, you and I actually got to talk to a lot of these guys um, at media day before they went to state. Spoiler alert there. But, you know, they, they gave us some insight about how that regular season went. And uh, I believe so did Coach um, Coach Logan as well. But uh, Cody or Mason, do, you, do y'all want to talk about Cherry Creek here? Yeah, no, I definitely, I can definitely say, you know, Cherry Creek plays one heck of a defense. Um, shout out, you know, Angelo Petritus over there, you know, uh, watch out for the 5A awards. Um, he is uh, one heck of a sophomore. That's all, that's all I have to say there, you know, leading, wasn't he leading the state in tackles? Is that yeah. That On dude 5A, is, I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that dude is insane, man. Um, I actually coached him, so shout out to him, but uh, – you know, the Chandler game, I watched it on live stream, um, holding Chandler to 17 points. That is not something that happens very often. Um, just not going to lie there. Um, but, you know, then them losing to Arapahoe, that was all just because their offense didn't really get it figured out. Uh, but how can they get it figured out when you have Jared Ramos and, you know, Jackson Adams in their face the whole time? But, you know, other than that, I think this team, you know, did an exceptional job coming back with, what did you guys say, three starters from the year before? 
you know, just playing with that many people new to the starting rules, uh, you can't beat that. That's just player development through and through. Cody, what do you think? I agree. I mean, we knew that they were graduating a lot of guys, but it was still eye-popping to, you know, see Dave Logan at Media Day and hear him talk about just how many it was. I mean, it was more than 22. It was more than a full starting lineup, you know. So they lost a lot of depth. They lost a lot of experience. They lost a lot this offseason. And so, you know, that was our biggest worry heading into this season. And, you know, I think that it showed sometimes. And getting to talk to those guys at Media Day – I mean, they did start off the season with a 73 to zero, you know, point margin and talking to Christian Hammond mainly emphasized like the loss to Chandler was really needed because, you know, they thought that they were completely invincible and, you know, facing off against national talent was kind of a wake up call to them a little bit, they said. So, you know, that helped them. And following that, they come back and they beat a very good Arvada West team that could throw the ball around the yard. You know, they more than doubled their score. Then they put up a very solid offensive performance against Regis and Cherokee Trail. You know, their offense really gets going following a seven-point showing against Chandler. And, you know, slows down a little bit against Grandview. And I feel like Arapaho leaped at this opportunity that Grandview showed that, you know, Creek is vulnerable They were dealing with, you know, some injuries throughout this season as well. But this Arapaho game is one that, you know, they and we even agreed to an extent that nine out of ten times Creek wins this game. But Arapaho just showed up a little bit more that day. And, you know, that's a game that they wish they could have back. And, uh, you know, that way their record would be 13-1 and on the season instead of 12-2. and But obviously, you know, it didn't. If anything, it made them even more razor sharp here as they continue to blow teams out throughout the rest of the regular season and, you know, the postseason, in which case, you know, you guys want to talk about anything else with this Creek squad or any other squad, but I think this would be an excellent point to kind of talk uh, 5A postseason here. Well, before we do that, we, we there, there are definitely a lot of other uh, teams that we should talk about uh, in the regular season as well. Um, but first off, I would have to agree about Cherry Creek and Valor. Uh, Cherry Creek have a great defense. I think offensively, they're kind of putting it together. Thought Marty Russell was that guy, but it would end up being Christian Hammond, who, I mean, I got to give him a lot of credit. He would eventually figure this thing out and right this ship here uh, and, you know, get this offense going. And he knew that. I mean... Look, he took accountability, and, uh, I mean, he just grew, and he got better every game. And so I think that's really important to keep in mind. But, you know, before we move on, talking about the postseason, I do want to bring up Columbine. Um, I don't think we mentioned them at all in that preview. But, well, we didn't at all in that preview. But they were a team that we really didn't consider as, uh, you know, like a – like a true contender, just because we knew they couldn't throw the ball. We knew they had a great defense. We knew they could run the ball really well. But personally, with this talent pool, we didn't think they would be able to uh, do all that uh, for sure, you know. And so Columbine didn't have a too bad of a season, season at all, you know, taking away the three playoff games they had here. Uh, they went seven and three, or wait a second. Yeah, seven and three. 
um, this season, you know, which isn't bad, you know. Uh, their three losses was against Valor Christian. They only lost to them 35-21. They played them pretty close. Got to give them credit there. Arvada West, you know, this is Arvada West was kind of on fire, by the way, you know, with Ethan Cook over there and their great passing game, just like Foster Ridge, you know. Um, they had a very, very similar passing game, and unfortunately he did get hurt. Uh, before the playoffs could start. And so we look forward to seeing him play next year. But lost to them 24 to 21, a passing team. And then they lost to Ralston Valley, a fellow, uh, you know, running team right here, 35 to 14, kind of by a lot there. Uh, do y'all have anything you want to say about Columbine here? I know, honestly, I feel like we don't talk about Seth Cromwell a lot. But I think he's a very quality football player, both as a running back and as a linebacker. And so I just want to make sure that we give him some love, as well as some of those linemen over at a combine, like Trace Williams-Mitchell, Rocky Shields, all those guys. I mean, Seth... Go ahead, Cody. Oh, thank you. Seth Cromwell was our playmaker of the week in week two. And a consistent, you know, guy to look at here for for this Columbine team and I remember the Columbine versus Valor game you know I I kind of tried to spin it as a uh, Seth Cromwell versus Gavin Sawchuk showdown that uh, you know Mason eventually got to watch so you know he watched you know, or at least broadcast wise got to watch Seth Cromwell in action and I know that Seth Cromwell he he got like a, a round of C you know in my grading and just narrowly missed out on our list but was one of the more powerful backs you know, in consideration for top backs in Colorado. You know, I just wanted to shout out, you know, in that Valor Christian versus, you know, Columbine game, um, Valor Christian has, you know, one of the best lines, offensive lines in the league. You know, they have two of our, you know, they have our number two interior and our number one all exterior linemen. Shout out to those two guys, you know, Caden Parrish and uh, Jake Mykula. Um, you know, but like, um, I don't know. This offensive line was just getting it done against this Valor Christian defense, which, shout out, Valor Christian does have a very stout defense. Um, you know, they did it all regular season. Yeah, they still lost in this game, but I don't think it was, you know, a bad loss at all. I think they really got it done for this squad. So, you know, shout out to that offensive line. And, you know, obviously they have a amazing running back over there. If they could pass the ball, I think they'd be more of a threat. All right, there you go. Um, and then I only have two other teams. One is Regis Jesuit. We did not talk about them at all, which looking back, we probably should have. At that point, we were a little burnt on, uh, you know, our previews and whatnot. But Regis Jesuit was definitely a team that, you know, wasn't going to be one and done in the playoffs. We we all knew that. I'm pretty sure, you know, we knew Regis Jesuit was too good for that to happen. And, uh, you know, the, our biggest concern with them, though, was their offense. I know they have the Carroll brothers. <sighs> the quarterback play for me, a little sporadic. I, I just, I don't know. I just really wasn't buying into it too much there. Uh, and then offensively, I mean, if your quarterback is kind of all over the place, that's usually not great defensively. I mean, he didn't have a bad season. Uh, he will be coming back in next year. And so I'm hoping for another jump here. But did throw for 1,482 yards. 14 touchdowns, three interceptions in that game. And he also rushed for 666 rushing yards and eight touchdowns um, yeah, this season. So there you go. Regis Jesuit also had a very good defense led by um, 
oh my gosh it's uh <laughs> okay i want to say it's a nuni to a telly yeah that has to be right that's as good as that gets to be honest with you nuni uh to a telly obviously he's committed to cal did get hurt kind of near the end of the season which i mean if he didn't that would have affected his rankings and whatnot as far as you know um interior linemen edge rushers went but still in the time he had had a very very good season you know uh ezra ikuban as well you know he did his thing on the outside there you know a bunch of the guys on uh, regis jesuit played very good defense on the season i mean they didn't lose many games they only lost three basically to uh, all good teams i mean only 24 to 6 to Valor Christian early on in that season. Did lose to Cherry Creek by kind of a lot, 34-14. And then against the Legend, just barely lost in a shootout, 42-41. to But did beat Pine Creek 24-14. Uh, Douglas County, a team we'll talk about, 34-24. Did beat Pomona in the playoffs, uh, which we'll talk about later there. Um, and then did beat uh, Ch- Chaparral. Am I saying that right? Is it Chap or Chap? Chaparral. Uh, just Chaparral. I, I just try and say Chap. Chaparral. Right. Okay. Chaparral. Uh, that, hey, great Chap- program, by the way. Yeah, okay. Great coaching over there. We should figure it out, but they beat Whoa. them 56-14. to 14. Kyle so, Wilson and Braden Monroe should come on the show. I think that's an invite, officially. Yeah, there you go. So, uh, so yeah, so Regis Jesuit, not too bad of a season at all. I mean... They're always pretty stout. Do y'all have any comments about Regis and how they played this regular season? I watched a lot of their defensive line film, uh, looking at our top five list and stuff. Their guys narrowly missed it, but man, they play they play some stout defense over there. So shout out to those guys. Jaden Franklin made our list, Mason. Okay, you're right. He did make our list. But <laughs> but I'm saying like all of their guys, man. Like they are scary bro they're really scary yeah i just i i guess the reason that we didn't really talk about regis was i mean once again being kind of burnt out but we won't do that again we got you for real for real on the next preview our preview episodes we're figuring it out each time we do it for the first time a little bit rough uh it gets better the next time but um you know regis we knew that they were gonna make the playoffs and we were like, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. But I think it was a similar situation to, you know, Regis. We knew that they were going to make the playoffs. And we were like, yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. But I think it was a similar situation to Columbine. Where it's like, I don't know if they'll be able to compete for a chip with the tools that they have right now. We don't think that they have that guy under center on the roster. so, Or at least not at that point in time. Right. So there you go. That's Regis. And the last team I really want to talk about here, they play in that kind of 4A, 5A league, um, but, you know, make the playoffs as a 5A team, is uh, is Douglas County. You know, um, first off, this regular season, they had, I mean, you know, they only went 6 and, I think it's 6 and 4 this regular season, but that's the best record they've had in over 10 years at this point. And a lot of that was thanks to their three-star quarterback, Antoine A.J. Jackson, who got it done on offense, defense, special teams as the kicker. You know, he did it all. 
you know, he was just an absolute stud, and he was carrying, bro. Like, carrying, carrying. And obviously, they have some other guys out there, like Stonebreaker, the running back, uh, Chase Nelson, a speedy, uh, just athlete who, you know, uh, we'll, we'll see how, how good of a season he has next year, but uh, he does have the potential to, you know, put up some big numbers and kind of be the main focus of that team. And, you know, they also have a pretty good lineman over there as well. And this Douglas County team, I mean, we watched them play against Castleview. Mason, I don't think you were at this game. <laughs> yeah, no, you were not at this game. But this, it was a friend of the podcast, Grant Simmons. It was not the Valor receiver, not the receiver. Yeah, but but yeah, it was. And um, this was a good game. I mean, okay, this was when we also realized that we need media passes and that we need to step up <laughs> our game, which we, we did. We really watched that from the fences and from a low key spot that we shouldn't have been at. Okay, um, so we were on the, the field, half. so it's okay. Uh, we're media, so. You know, <laughs> it's it's qualified now. It, next time, next year, if we do end up going to the Battle of the Rock, we will get passes of some sort. We will have passes of some sort because this was a sold-out game through and through, man. Even then, like, there are people watching on the fences with us all around this huge stadium, which, uh, you know, over in Douglas County is pretty beautiful. In my opinion, one of my favorite stadiums to be at as well with a, just a great uh, – you know, just a scenic look over the mountains if we're, uh, you know, going to talk about beautiful stadiums and whatnot. And, and plus, the vibes were off the chains, man. Both of these student sections were hopping basically all game. Like, this was one of the most entertaining games and just one of the best memories from the season, period, man. And Douglas County, they haven't beat Castleview uh, in about 10 years as well, you know. It's been about 10 years, so nobody on this roster has experienced a Douglas County dub over Castleview since they were in elementary school, basically, um, is what the oldest one would be, which would be their seniors. And so and so that was a pretty big deal. You know, A.J. Jackson, he played an excellent game. You know, he threw a couple deep moon balls, by the way, and also shut down Blake Haggerty, who, uh, you know, was supposed to be that guy at Castleview, but... You know, got shut down by a quarterback. So there you go. That happened. And, uh, you know, they would be Boulder, Doherty, a couple of these other easier teams before, unfortunately, playing Pine Creek Legend, Chaparral, and Regis Jesuit to end their season, which all resulted in loss. Um, Chaparral was pretty close. They only lost 35 to 32, but it's a lot to ask to be a Pine Creek and a legend. But, you know, it was still a really fun ride. Uh, A.G. Jackson deserves a lot, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of credit. I think when people look back at this season and be like, hmm, when was the last winning season for Douglas County? I think they're going to think about A.J. Jackson and how good he was. And, you know, what a time it was to witness such a great athlete. But uh, Mason or Cody, do y'all want to talk about Douglas County and uh, that experience and being able to see them twice this season? Or Mason once, but Cody twice. Yeah, no, I yeah. want to say... Go ahead. Okay, okay. Um, I, I just want to say shout out, you know, AJ Jackson is an athlete, man. We watched that dude run up and down the field the whole time against Pine Creek. Pine Creek was trying to tackle him, but they just couldn't. He is way too quick getting it done for, you know, 
Douglas County and making that game a lot closer than if they didn't have him, I think it would have probably even, I don't know if they would have scored at all. Uh, Cody? I just want to point out that AJ was our 5A playmaker of the week that week against Castleview. And definitely, I, I saw him throw that moon ball and I looked at Simon and said, he's on our top five quarterback list. And the way things are looking right now, He's definitely on the list. There's no way that he's not on this list. And uh, yeah, I was very impressed watching through his film as well. Just, you know, obviously his athleticism is good, but his arm is amazing. Uh, and it started with that. I was like, oh yeah, this guy, you know, he has a couple of stars on Rivals. I've seen his name before. Then just an absolute bomb to Chase Nelson, who's a nice little receiver over there. And I was like, I looked at him. He's on our top five list. There's no way that he doesn't make it. And uh, all the way here at the end of the season, I feel like the feeling's mutual. And uh, real quick shout out to uh, uh, another program in Chaparral who did have a solid season and made it to the playoffs on the heels of a great season from Kylan Wilson, another athletic, pretty strong arm quarterback and athlete Braden Monroe, both playmakers of the week. And Kylan Wilson being a constant candidate for playmaker of the week. But uh, with that quick interjection, Simon, do you have anything else to add on about Douglas County or Chaparral? Uh, no, I mean, a lot of credit to Chaparral there. They did their thing. Um, a lot of athletes over there, Douglas County. I mean, you know, it, it, this was a, a historical season for them, honestly. And honestly, I was very, very thankful to be able to see them against Castleview in that game, you know, with all the vibes and the hype, you know, despite where we were standing slash sitting, it was uh, an experience for sure. But, you know, with that being said, uh, I think it's time to talk about playoffs. So let's go ahead and hop into it. Uh, first things first, I want to get y'all's reactions to this. Thunder Ridge, Fairview, this was the lone forfeit in this entire playoff bracket. I'm pretty sure actually in all of the playoff brackets, um, because of COVID and, you know, I did, I was able to cover this. So I said my thoughts about this, uh, you know, the week it happened. I said Jordan Rochelle would send us a text around midnight, uh, right before that Friday night game um, and say that, you know, their season was over because of COVID. But Cody and Mason, I want to get your thoughts on that real quick, uh, because obviously Thunder Ridge, they wouldn't play this game, uh, neither would Bearview. But Thunder Ridge would move on with the forfeit to go ahead and play Arapahoe in the next round. I'm going to say boo, not for, you know, what happened following, you know, the forfeit, but for the fact that we didn't get to watch this game, dude. This game was going to be so freaking good. I feel like both of these teams were built very similarly, and this could have really, you know, if Beckham got to play this game, this would have put him in conversations for, like, career wins career passing yards in colorado history you know what i mean like it, missing out on a one game can add up a lot later you know he did still crack 3k and fairview had an awesome season but man this would have been such a sick game but on the other hand of things you know you can look at it two ways here uh in the next round you know thunder ridge did lose but i don't know if not playing helped them get healthy or maybe if playing and establishing a rhythm and getting ready the next week might have changed the outcome. Uh, these are just some things to think about, obviously, with uh, how that went. But, you know, whoever 
took uh, Thunder Ridge in their brackets, like I did, was coincidentally right, but not in the way that we wanted to be. Yeah, I just want to say this game saddened me a lot because I was supposed to be the one to cover this game. I was stoked to go watch these two teams play. I took Fairview in this round, so obviously I was wrong there because, you know, Thunder Ridge. I still think Fairview would have, you know, taken the dub. Anyways, um, anyways, I went to go see, you know, Cherokee Trail versus Fossil Ridge. Not as fun of a game because Cherokee Trail just dominated. Um, it was cool, I guess, to see Nathan Allmark in action over there against, you know, Travis Gray. So two great athletes in this state playing 1v1. But, um, yeah, no, it was probably one of my like least favorite moments about this season was not being able to go see these two, you know, battle it out. But, you know, hey, you know, it is what it is. And there's always next season and everything happens for a reason. Well, there you go there. This won't be the last time we talk about Thunder Ridge, as Fair, um, Thunder Ridge versus Fairview as, uh, you know, a friend of the Ooh. podcast and our very own DJ Bordeaux has decided to attend Thunder Ridge High School. Um, that is public knowledge now. Now he went ahead and announced that uh, when this records, it'd be two weeks ago. Well, actually, no, it'd be last week. It'd be last week on Thursday, basically, when this episode drops on Friday. But he announced that, you know, we talked to some of the Thunder Ridge players over at, is it OTGA, Cody? That training facility in um, the one we visited? I think it's over, over by my place. Yeah, in yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, a lot of Thunder Ridge players work out there in the off season. A shout out to them. They have a good little thing going over there, by the way. You know, we'll talk about them more later on, probably on a live stream or something more chill. But <clears throat> you know, they talked about DJ Bordeaux very highly about him. Super excited, and so you know, if there's another Thunder Ridge versus Fairview game. You got two of the youngest quarterbacks and two of the most talented quarterbacks the state has ever seen going head to head. That'll for sure be a good one. And so, uh, not the last time, hopefully, we talk about Thunder Ridge versus Fairview. But unfortunately, Fairview season is over. You know, a lot of regrets there, but they will be better. They are returning, obviously, their stars in Beckham Kritzup and Jordan Rochelle, who also just got offered by the University of Colorado and whatnot, the only freshman in the entire state to uh, have full-ride offers to a D1, if I may say so. So I just want to go ahead and extend our congratulations to Beckham Kritza and Jordan Rochelle. You know, they're the real deal here. Uh, Beckham Kritza, one of the – I think he was the lead passer among all freshmen in the country as far as varsity go, and then Jordan Rochelle was up there in receiving yards. But – uh Cody or Mason, what do you think about that? How excited are y'all about, you know, Beck and Kritza and Jordan Rochelle moving forward? I think this is as good a time as any to talk about it, honestly. D1 offers as freshmen. That's pretty unprecedented here in the box state. And they're just getting started. They probably have potential to have the most uh, quarterback to wide receiver touchdown passes uh for in colorado history i really think that they have that chance it's not often that you have a talented quarterback a talented wide receiver and a system that puts them in positions to win and you know they have some other guys too like you know ben holly i think is his name 
well, at least Holly, he's a sophomore, you know, so you can't just double cover one of their receivers. Fairview all, always has athletes, and they're going to continue to get more as Beckham moves up in this system, and Beckham's only going to get better, too. So, you know, it's uh, it's game time for, for these boys, and I'm very excited for all the more uh, Power 5 offers that they are bound to get in these next few years. Uh, as their potential is literally limitless. Mason? Yeah, I want to say, you know, shout out just to the fact that these guys, you know, already have D1 offers. That's just insane. But, you know, it's kind of cool to see, um, you know, freshman to freshman, you know, how they kind of use, you know, Jordan to make up for the loss of Grant Page this year. And now this guy, you know, stepped into that starting receiver role, and he didn't disappoint at all, all year, getting it done. And not only that, but, you know, shout out to Fairview's coaching staff for, you know, running an offense that's competent enough to run the spread. Um, and having a competent enough offensive line coach to run, you know, the zone blocking scheme to handle a spread offense. Um, shout out to all of that. All right, there you go. Um, but let's go ahead and move on here. Uh, like you said, congrats to Jordan Rochelle, Beckham Critzer. We'll, we'll see them at the sports stable soon enough. Uh, get a film breakdown done as well. Um, Beckham actually made a highlight reel just for us, for film, for breaking down film, at least, I think. Because it's very well organized, if I do say so myself. So I was very happy to look through that. It's like six or six or seven minutes or something like that. And so... Uh, you know, we'll we'll take a look at that for sure here. Well, well, we'll take a look at it and you know record our reactions to it for sure here. But uh, let's move on here. Most of these first round matchups we kind of saw coming. Uh, I do want to say Valor Christian, Arvada West, Grandview, Ralston Valley, Arap, Cherry Creek, Legend, and Regis Jesuit all had first round buys. So just keep that in mind in this first round here. Um, you know. There weren't really a lot of surprises. You had Fort Collins over Chaparral. That was maybe a little surprising there. But, uh, you know, they had a great performance from the quarterback. Columbine uh, <laughs> beat Far Northeast without running the ball, really. You know, they decided to pass the ball a little bit, get a little fancy for them there. And so they beat them 56-0. Um, Mullen, Douglas County. I thought Douglas County. I was so sure. Douglas County was going to win this game, and then they didn't. They lost 34-7 to to a bowling team that's uh, kind of back on the rise. So there you go there. Uh, Mason, you mentioned Cherry Creek versus Fossil Ridge. Cherokee, or sorry, Cherokee Trail versus um, Fossil Ridge. Cherokee Trail winning that one pretty easily here. But a game I kind of want to get y'all's uh, thoughts on because I got to cover this game in that recap, and that is Rock Canyon Versus Smoky Hill, Rock Canyon winning their first ever playoff game in school history, winning it, <laughs> winning a tough one, 52 to 49. Six total touchdowns were scored in the fourth quarter. I believe uh, Smoky Hill actually had three of those touchdowns. They were passing touchdowns uh, with Tyleek Bowers, basically just saying, "Hey, this is Anthony Harris Jr.'s last like year playing football." We go make some uh, memories happen and get mine, put up some numbers as he found him a lot 
a lot in that game to keep Smokey Hill alive. You know, Tyreek Bowers showing us something in this last game of his junior year. But uh, I want to get y'all's reaction to that 52-49. to That's a true shootout here in the playoffs. The only shootout really here in the playoffs, if you ask me. Uh, what, what do y'all think about that? Rock Canyon getting their first playoff dub as well. Huge congratulations to Rock Canyon. And, you know, there's a lot of TFG guys you know, actually in that Rock Canyon program. And we also saw, you know, this lineman, you know, with, uh, oh my goodness, was it OT? I feel like it was strength and performance or two uh, at uh, that uh, workout that we went to. I don't, I don't know. I don't remember, to be honest with you. But uh, anyways, you know, they have a lineman there, and um, yeah, you know, we got to see, you know, some behind the scenes of Rock Canyon, and there's someone who's on our radar now. You know, once you establish, once you get a playoff win, I mean, the rest is downhill from there, you know, as far as, you know, picking up momentum and just being a successful program, you know, so uh, yeah, it was at OTG Athlete. Uh, is where we saw that Rock Canyon lineman getting in work. He's going to be a senior this year. And I think he was an All-State Honorable Mention guy for that Rock Canyon program. So that's someone to keep an eye on. And, you know, this running game went crazy. 487 yards. Holy smack, that's a lot of yards. But not to be outdone, you know, Tyleek Bowers put some respect on his name. Only a year after Leslie Richardson put up crazy numbers in his last game in a Smokey Hill uniform, uh, Bowers, you know, he follows it up with a phenomenal 143.0 QBR six touchdown game in that last game of the regular season. He's coming back next year, but, uh, you know, Smokey Hill, they just get a tough hand playing in that Centennial League. But I think that they're a solid program, and uh, so is Rock Canyon. Both guys, who both teams who play in really tough leagues, but uh, found ways to compete this year and also win. So huge congrats to both of those programs. I And I was wrong, by the way. I took Smokey Hill in my bracket, so I'll admit that on air and uh, give a little bit more of uh, applause to, uh, to Rock Canyon. Yeah, no, uh, definitely shout-out to Rock Canyon. Getting it done. Um, surprising me... Because, you know, I, I took Smokey Hill to win. So, uh, shout out Rock Canyon. And, I don't know, you know, that lineman over there, you know, you guys saw him play and everything. You guys told me to put him on my radar. And he definitely is for next year to, you know, see out that next level and see if he can't make a top five list. So, you know, keep doing what he's doing and I'll definitely have him on my radar. Well, there you go there. I also picked... <laughs> Smokey Hill to be Rock Canyon in that game, but you know, it's still a pretty close game. Shout out to my guy Bailey uh, Buharda. Buharda, I am sorry if I am saying your last name wrong, but he is a young freshman lineman who started for Smokey Hill all season. He's like 6'3, 270, 280. He is going to be on the come up there, and so he's going to be part of a, of a very good, you know, Smokey Hill. Well, maybe not a very good Smokey Hill program, but uh resurging Smoky Hill program that is kind of finding their footing here. So uh, so there you go. But, you know, let's go ahead and talk about the second round of the playoffs. 
I am just going to go ahead and read off all the matchups here and then let y'all react. Uh, Battle Christian beats down Fort Collins 52-2. to two. We all saw that one coming. Uh, Columbine beats Arvada West 38-21. Arvada West did not have Ethan Cook in this game uh, because he was hurt, so they did have to start a freshman quarterback. Not too bad, scoreboard-wise, but we did expect Columbine to win this one pretty easily. Uh, Grandview coming off their bye beat Mullen 42-21. Um, Ralston Valley beat Cherokee Trail, who I picked. Uh, I picked Cherokee Trail to be Ralston Valley, but um, RV proved me wrong and beat them 42 to 20. So there you go. Uh, Cherry Creek, Cherry Creek here against Mountain Vista. Uh, Austin Madruski, by the way, in that first round had a very good performance, beating Legacy 42 17. Wasn't going to be enough. Cherry Creek goes ahead and blankets. Uh, very young Mountain Vista team, 35, 34-0. Sorry, uh, Regis Jesuit. Just barely beats Pomona 28 to 21 in a very close one. Uh, Legend actually, you know, having a little bit of a struggle here against Rock Canyon, but they still take care of them 28 to 14. And then your A Rap Warriors do beat Thunder Ridge just barely here 23 to 16. Here, um, not too many surprises here. That A Rap Thunder Ridge game. Uh, I did pick A-Rap winning. I thought maybe it wouldn't be that close, but it was. And so respect on Thunder Ridge there. Um, like I said, I picked Cherokee Trail over Austin Valley. I'd probably still do that again. Uh, Regis Jesuit, though, you know, Pomona putting up a fight against them, but Regis just barely scoring a touchdown there in the last couple of seconds to hold on and win that game. Uh, or at, at least I think they did in that last quarter. I'm pretty sure. So there you go. And then uh, Cherry Creek and Valor dominating. Do y'all have anything you want to comment on the second round of the playoffs? Nope. I think I'm good. I mean, I'll have something to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, oh my, Mason's brief response threw me for a loop. But I did have Ralston Valley winning in that second round. My Elite Eight was actually spot on. My Elite Eight was spot on. What do you know? I didn't have Ralston Valley winning. So, well, that, that's what go. I'm going to do is I'm going to give myself a little, uh, don't know if you could hear that, but that was a pat on the back. No, we, we heard it, but um, that's fine. <laughs> um, actually, my Elite Eight wasn't super far off. In my original playoff bracket, I picked Ralston Valley uh, because I think I had a uh, yo, yeah, I had false origin here, and so I don't know why I thought Cherokee Trail would change it that much, but uh, you know, whatever. So for the most part, my Elite Eight uh, was Valor Christian. Um, Arvada West, who didn't make it. I didn't know their quarterback got hurt before I made this, like before I made the bracket. So there you go. Other than if I did, then I would have picked Columbine. But it was Valor Christian, Arvada West, Grandview, Ralston Valley, Cherry Creek, Regis, Legend, A Rap. That happened to be true. I think uh, most people kind of saw that one coming. So we'll kind of keep it going here. Um, Cherry Creek, look, takes care of Regis Jesuit pretty easily here. 28 to 7. Um, they would go on and play the winner of Legend versus A Rap. Legend takes care of Arapaho 35 14. 
Mason, I know you covered this game. You said uh, Arapahoe was losing some players, right? Yeah, so that game, Arapahoe didn't have Exodus Johnson on the defensive line, and neither did they have Jackson Adams. Exodus Johnson out with COVID. Uh, Jackson Adams out with an elbow surgery. Um, shout out to Jackson Adams going and getting his, you know, D1 offer to Air Force. Um, Exodus Johnson, you know, moving on from Arapaho High School, but still, you know, you know, it's going to be, he's going to be dominant no matter where he ends up. Uh, but yeah, no, they didn't have a lot of their defensive line and it really showed in this game. Wow. There you go. Um, A-Rap still had a chance to win it, but that would have been asking for a lot if you asked me. So, Legend, Cherry Creek takes care of business. Valor Christian, another pretty close game against Columbine. Yeah, at least it looks pretty close. Only beating them 17-7, to but that'd be enough to put them in the semis. Grandview with a close game of their own against Ralston Valley. I believe Ralston Valley actually beat Grandview uh, earlier on in the season. Kind of by a lot, yeah. Yeah, they beat them. Whoops, sorry. They beat them, 20, well, not by a lot, but they beat them 24-13 to 13 earlier in the season. Grandview goes ahead, <clears throat> learns from their mistakes, you know, with their passing offense and uh, great defense over there. And they find a way to get a dub over Austin Valley, setting up a Final Four of Valor Christian versus Grandview, Cherry Creek versus Legend. That was my exact Final Four. What about you? That Same. was not my final four. Um, I had Arapo beating Legend. That's the only difference. But I did have Grandview versus Valor and Cherry Creek versus Arapo. I was spot on with my final four. And um, I just want to touch real quick. That Valor-Columbine game was a very grimy, grinded out kind of game that uh, was tied 7-7 until late in the third quarter when uh, Sawchuck ripped off a, you know, pretty long run to get valor on the into scoring position i should say and then you know this field goal was just a it was basically just for fun with how much time was left in the game so really it was more of like a 7 to 14 game but a very defensive game and a lot of failed fourth down conversions on both sides um something that will come back later but anyways uh, Sam, so, I mean, you mind if I kind of talk about this Final Four and what occurred? I mean, it's not a lot to talk about. Yeah, nothing. I mean, what we expected happened, but go ahead. I mean, both of the top seeds waxed the lower seeds. Also, seeds one, two, three, four were there. But, I mean, we talked about this in the season preview about how Valor and Creek were just... They are just one step ahead of everyone, you know? And... That, that shows in games that had 31 points of difference in the Valor game and uh, 34 points of difference in the Legend game. So uh, I think that kind of brings us to Championship Sunday, unless you guys have raw reactions to that. No, I mean, Legend got, I don't know. Cherry Creek put a lot of points on Legend really fast. Not even going like Coyote Jr., had himself a day so just wanted to shout him out there playmaker of, of the week yeah yeah no doubt it was it was obvious he was gonna win uh you know blake purchase made some really big plays in that game too i need to shout him out uh defensively just being a menace out there but uh coyote jr really putting that pressure on legend and they just couldn't keep up you know and obviously playing a really good defense is hard too 
Balor versus Grandview. To be honest, I didn't think it'd be that bad, uh, but it was. And so uh, for the third straight year, right? It's a Valor Christian versus Cherry Creek. Cherry Creek being the defending champs, the two-time defending champs. You know, at the time, I picked Valor Christian to beat them because, well, look, I, I picked Valor to beat Cherry Creek uh, in my original bracket because I was definitely a little bit more concerned about this offense. I haven't really seen them, like, explode for a ton of points yet against some defenses. They definitely could have put it to uh, just a little bit more, you know. And um, look, that was my explanation when I talked to Arden Walker over DMs because he was like, yo, why'd you pick Valor over Cherry Creek? And I was like, hey, I like Cherry Creek a lot. I think they're going to state, but their offense needs to show me just a little bit more. And in that legend game, to me, they showed me a lot more, uh, to be honest with you. But I decided to stick with my Valor Christian prediction. Was anybody else going to pick Valor in this state game, or was it just me? I took Valor. Okay, that's okay. I also took Valor. Okay, so let's talk about why they're a disappointment. First off, Cherry Creek won 21-0. Um, here, actually, I want to let y'all talk about it real quick. You know, what were some things that really stood out in this game? Go yeah, no, it. I would, I'd like to say, uh, shout out to Dave Logan for taking his foot off the gas like he always does when, you know, he's dominating on the defensive side of the ball because, you know, Valor can't convert a fourth down or a third down to save their life in this game. So, you know, he took his foot off the gas and just kept going three and out, three and out, three and out, running the rock, throwing incompletions, you know. I wouldn't be surprised if you told him to throw a couple of the incompletions. So, um, you know, shout out to Dave Logan for taking his foot off the gas because he didn't have to do anything. Yeah. Okay. So there is a lot to talk about for this game as far as, you know, Cherry Creek being one of the greatest dynasties of all time. Dave Logan being the best Colorado football coach of all time. And it's quite frankly not close after blanking a four-star recruit two years in a row in a state championship. The Valor play calling was super uninspiring this entire game. Uh, You know, Valor, they run a hurry-up offense. And, you know, I think they had the fastest three and out I've ever seen in my entire life, punting within like 15 seconds as they got stuffed three runs in a row. And hey, 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 give him give him credit. It was like 26 seconds. Okay, 26, whatever. I, anyways, it was really, it was a very boring game to watch. Easily the most boring championship game. Probably the most boring championship game for the second year in a row. And, I mean, it's bad enough that we have to see the same two teams every year. But it's even worse when one team just keeps winning. It's kind of like Cavs and Warriors, you know. Uh, but after the 3-1 thing where it's just Warriors, 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 and it's just really boring. Um, Yeah, that's kind of where I was at with that. And, you know, the guys in the box, they were were hilarious, you know, for uh, some kind of stat trackers for Valor. Uh, One guy was kind of just there uh, talking about his son the entire time and how great he was at Valor and how Valor doesn't play well in the cold. And in reference to you know them losing a playoff game to columbine like two years ago he unironically said we don't play well in the cold and when i smiled because i thought he was joking he was serious mason remembers this and can vouch for this and it's that whiny crap that keeps valor from winning state championships it's okay you know who i have a lot of respect for is gavin sawchuk because 
you know, he has never interacted with our show really because he he doesn't care. All these other Valor kids care so much about the reputation at Valor that they're like, I don't know, man. They're just so full of themselves and they're raised in an arrogant, ignorant part of, you know, the state being in Highlands Ranch. And I can vouch for that because I literally live right next to it and I work in Highlands Ranch and I know the culture of high schoolers there. So, you know, there's that. And, you know, some of their players, you know, they, they can't, they take everything super personally, including one of them. And I'm going to call it out, uh, Trey Stott, you know, for commenting some transphobic comments on our Instagram post about top five running backs. You know, to them, even though they don't take football as seriously as they should, and that's why they get blanked in state championship games, uh, they will take anything you say bad about them very personally, uh, even though they don't put their heart body and soul into it and even though their lives aren't riding on it you know there's a lot of kids who need football to get out of the situations that they're in and honestly most of these kids at valor it's not like that it's not like that at all you're going to like the most expensive high school in the entire state and you get to use the nicest facilities and you have one of the nicest campuses and you have a great surrounding area and you don't a lot of these kids don't have to worry about what's on their you know plate that night where a lot of these other schools, you know, these are situations that we are looking at, you know, even at Creek, there are some instances of that. And I just think that that mentality, that dog mentality comes from, you know, some of these backgrounds, as well as this coaching that is superior to Valor's in every way. And, you know, this culture that is superior to Valor's in every way. And, you know, I lost a lot of respect for Valor. You know, obviously I didn't, really respect them in high school because I knew these things. I interacted with Valor kids, you know, in my community and coming from Aurora, ain't nothing quite like it, uh, running into these, uh, spoiled wannabes all the time. And you know, that's how it was back. Granted, when I was in school, they actually won championships because they had McCaffrey's do it for them. And they haven't been able to win a championship without a McCaffrey because you know, these guys just, uh, they don't want it that much. They don't need it that much. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it's really funny how brave they get behind keyboards and whatnot. That's my two cents on Valor. You know, the the Kings of 21 to zero. Um, obviously, I do want to put some respect and say not every kid is like this. Jake uh, Michaela is an outstanding young man who's going to succeed very well at Stanford. Gavin Sachuk, he hasn't interacted with us at all. And I respect that because, you know, he's on the next stage of his life. And, you know, he's going to be at OU and I'm going to be rooting for him as a Boomer Sooner fan. So, you know, it's it's never anything personal. It's all football. But a lot of these Valor players, you know, not uh, not their quarterback. You know, I feel for him because he was put in a really tough spot, not really getting the best reps or setups all season and then kind of being expected to take over this state championship game, uh, kind of being thrown into a fire that. I would say he's not really prepared for it. I'd say similarly to, you know, the Columbine quarterback who is tasked with trying to throw themselves into a comeback without a lot of practice all season. But, you know, outside of very few interactions, there's a lot of disrespectful young men who I hope, you know, learn lessons and grow up to be better people than they are right now. And I put that on coaching and I put that on culture. 
I, I okay here. I need to <clears throat> I need to put in my two cents here before we get into a rant because I I need to. Um, first off, Colton Allen. I do have a lot of respect for him. He threw three interceptions this game, but hey, look, Gavin Sawchuk. When you're averaging two point eight yards per carry, that doesn't help your quarterback. Your quarterback averaged more yards per carry than their four-star running back with 8.1 yards per carry. Colton Allen, eight carries for six, 65 rushing yards. He was only 13 rushing yards away from Gavin Sawchuk. There has to be. Like, look, he, I, I want to put respect on him. I think he's a tough quarterback. Um, I like the dude. I would like to meet him and whatnot. And, you know, we could talk about his game and whatnot because I think he's somebody that could potentially develop into a next-level player. I did like what I saw from him. Um, the coaching staff, I think, didn't do him any good, in my opinion. If you're a quarterback, don't go to Valor. Why would you? What good quarterback has come from Valor? And look, uh, Dylan McCaffrey, Luke McCaffrey, that's great. But Dylan McCaffrey got the same record as, uh, shoot, who's that Ralston Valley quarterback that played for us? I already forgot. Northern Colorado, I mean. Nip. Yeah, Jacob Nip had the same record as Jacob Nip in his senior year. I think maybe the best he might have ever had, actually, as the quarterback of the Northern Colorado Bears. So, there you go. If you're a quarterback, don't go to Valor. Why would you? There are plenty of better places that would treat you better, have smarter coaches. Uh, Arvada West comes to mind. Um, shoot, even Boulder <sighs> High School had a little bit of a better offense than them. I mean, uh, Smoky Hill, that's another one. Denver South. Like, I, I could go on and on, honestly, but very disappointing in the play call for Valor Christian. And they know, look, look this front seven for Cherry Creek, I'm going to put some respect on their name, too, because Cherry Creek played a heck of a game here. You know, Angelo Petritus, Logan Brantley, Henry Lamar, you know, Blake Purchase. Marte Russell, the guy who was supposed to play quarterback, making a very big sacrifice and playing linebacker. That is a team move, baby. I love to see that. I love, love to see that, you know. Um, Chase Brackney as well. They all took turns at beating up Gavin Sawchuk. And they shut him down as a unit. And so I want to give them a lot of respect. You know, that front seven, uh, Zelenskis always, you know, he does his thing always. You know, and Fitzpatrick as well, you know. They did their thing against this Valor uh, offense that, frankly, has too, ma too much talent to be embarrassed like this 21-0 two straight years. That is horrible. Um, that is embarrassing. They're the embarrassment of Colorado football. I, I'm okay with saying that. I don't know what happened, but it seemed like Colton Allen was the only one who came to play. So I'm going to give him his respect there. Uh, Gavin Sawchuk. He left his heart on the field. Yeah, I could I could win a championship with Colton Allen better than these Valor coaches, and I don't need a four star or a the three star tackle or a whatever linebackers and safeties. And I'll find a way to get it done because I'm better than you. So that's how it works. Um, but I I like Colton Allen a lot. You could win with him. I think Valor Christian did him a great disservice in my opinion, um, and they ruined his career. Uh, well, maybe they didn't ruin his career, but they ruined his legacy. I would say, uh, because unfortunately, he's always going to be tied to this disappointing Valor Christian program, is what they are. Gavin Sawchuk didn't play his best game, I understand. I mean, 
I got to give him respect. He has not fired back. I think that's very professional of him. There's a reason why he's one of the highest rated uh, players in the state. It's not because of his game. I think he's more of a three-star, but he does handle himself well. I got to give him some respect. You know, I know guys uh, that are about that life that, you know, they're going to they're gonna smack back, and I don't blame them. I'll do it too, but, like, it is what it is. And I think Gavin Sawchuk has been really mature, and I think I – honestly, I'm going to be rooting for him as well. Any Colorado football player mostly that goes out of state and, you know, does their thing, follow their college dreams, and uh, maybe their pro dreams as well, I'm going to root for you. And Gavin Sawchuk, I think he's somebody who has the attitude of a pro, and I respect that because in Colorado – I'm just going to be fairly honest. The media isn't that hard on high school football as they probably could be. In Texas, if you screw up like this, oh my God, you're going to find that you're going to be under a lot more fire from not only your own community who are going to hold you in check. I don't know why the Highlands Ranch community is just okay with beating trash every year. Well, maybe not being trash, but like being the same every year. But they are, you know, because they lost the same way every year. That should be an embarrassment. That should never happen if you're a true powerhouse, which I don't think they're a true powerhouse anymore. I think they're over, you know. But, you know, like I am like I was saying, you know, in other states, and real football states like Texas, the South in general, Florida, Georgia, even Ohio, Cali. Cali. Like, yep. The media is going to get after you. You know, the media? you complain and be like, oh, you know, like, y'all are just uh, judging a bunch of high schoolers. Yeah, homie, that's what we do. That's our job. And, you know, we do this for free for now, but we have a lot more influence than you. We have a lot more inf influence than you'd like to think. Um, getting into college type of influence. How about that? You know, the media so, uh, too, go like, ahead, go in ahead. Texas, dude. They're harder on middle school football players and coaches than we are on high school football players and coaches. Okay, yes, maybe not the coaches, true. but like that's no, a they comparable. Are, they are. Yeah, okay. So like seriously, if you want to be great, you have to receive criticism and grow from it. And that's just another reason why that culture is kind of icky. Yeah, exactly. They don't know how to act like adults. In my opinion, and I am an educator. Uh, you know, kids who do go into high school, I acknowledge they're high schoolers, they're kids and whatnot. That's great. But you got to show some sort of traits of being an adult, of being grown. Um, if you're not, uh-oh, that's a huge red flag uh, in, in everything. You know, if you're going to be in a relationship with one of these type of players, if you're going to get into a professional relationship with one of these types of players, if you're going to, you know, bet on one of these types of players to potentially join your college football team, uh, any sports teams, if you can't take criticism, I mean, that's on you, man. I Honestly, our podcast, we pride ourselves on being honest, on telling, uh, on telling you what's up, you know, giving you actual facts. Like, it's not just opinions, homie. Like, we're giving you actual facts based off film that you put out there. Like, come on, man. Like, you got to figure it out. Look, like, it ain't personal. It's football. And, hey, shout out to all the parents and, uh, you know, kids who are – throwing slurs into my DMs as well. I'm going to put that out there too. From the Highlands Ranch community, you should be ashamed of yourself. But uh, just know, you know, I, it could be a lot more worse. I'm going to be real with you, but I'm going to put that out there right here, right now. I don't respect y'all. I'm from South Dallas, homie. I got more, personally, I got more criticism as a middle school football player 
than most of y'all do in your entire career. And that's because I have people around me that kept it real. Hey, you didn't play a good game. That guy, he's going to be a D1 guy someday. And most of the time they were. I was playing against great talent, proven talent, over and over and over and again. And it's about building a better culture. We're not tough just to be tough or to just be sensational on, you know, teams and whatnot and spread all that BS. You know, we're tough on teams because we believe that they deserve it. We're tough on teams because True. you suck. Like, you suck. We're tough on teams because you legitimately suck. And you played a bad game. You should be embarrassed about it. And you need to grow from it. Because obviously you didn't grow a year from now, even though it was a COVID year and a pandemic year, all the time in the world. I bet you was on TikTok. Spending more time there than maybe in the film room. And that's why a bunch of kids from Cherry Creek, a lot of underclassmen who don't have their driver's license, showed you why that they're better than you. So with that being said, <sighs> Valor Christian loses 21-0. Um, I don't view them as a powerhouse. I think I view them as a team that uh, will make the playoffs, you know. <sighs> I think that's the only thing I could guarantee. Maybe a couple trips to state, you know. But uh, right now, they're looking a lot like the team that only loses to Cherry Creek. And sure, you could have some pride in that if you want. But you shouldn't. <laughs> like, I know Cherry Creek's good, but how about you get good as well? It's not like you can't do anything about it. Mason, what do you think about all this? You haven't talked in a minute. All right. I'm going to put it out there. This isn't personal. It's football. Like, straight up. But Valor Christian High School's on the downfall. And I'm going to say it right now. Y'all aren't going to win a state championship anytime soon. Creek going to blank you in next year's state championship if you make it back because you guys can't call anything but a run play. No matter who your team is, you know, you could have a freaking five-star quarterback and you guys would still run the ball 33 times a game. You know, Creek gets a like a one-star quarterback and they're going to win state with him. Why? Because they have a coaching staff that is competent and kids that are willing to make the plays. You know, like you said, you know, Marte Russell was supposed to be a quarterback last year, you know, at the beginning of this season, got injured. Christian Hammond took over for him. What did he do? He came back, listened to his coaches. They said, hey, man, we want you to play linebacker. What did he do? He played linebacker and he made some insane plays in state that I watched time and time again. Him, Angelo Petritus and, you know, Blake Purchase, George Fitzpatrick all over that defense. You know, George Fitzpatrick with Fitzpatrick with two, you know, swats in the beginning of the game. Uh, Blake purchased in the in the face of every single person that touched the ball for, you know, Valor Christian High School. Both of our, you know, linebackers made double digit tackles, if not better. And what did what did the, you know, parents in the booth with us have to say? Oh, man, this just looks like last year. Like, oh, you guys cool just getting blanked. Like, if that's how it's going to be and that's how it is. Get out of Colorado football. I don't want you in this culture anymore. If you guys cool with having a season where you fight maybe two or three teams that are worth fighting, go into the playoffs with the first or second seed because of your freaking name, um, you know, make it to the uh, chip because you, you know, play a pretty easy schedule all the way to the last round, barely pull out a win, 
come into the you know state championship to face Creek because you know Creek will be there because their coaches are that good. It doesn't matter what talent is given to them; they develop them. You know, you're gonna go get blanked by Creek year in and year out because you guys have a four-star running back that got two yards per carry because you guys couldn't adjust to trying to you know get him in position to make a play. Because you guys won't throw the ball. And then when you do expect your quarterback to throw, he's only thrown a handful of freaking passes all season. How are you supposed to win a game if you can't throw the ball and run the ball? Yeah, I get it. You have a four-star talent. And, you know, he is a talent, you know? You know, he didn't make top, you know, number one on our list. And shout out to all the, you know, Valor fans for trying to, you know, throw shade at us. Even though, you know, he has no care in the world because he's out there doing his thing, making his, you know, legacy because he is a true athlete who could take criticism. Shout out to their linemen, you know, Michaela and Caden Parrish, both of them, you know, being on the top five lists for me, not because of who they are or where they play, but because of how they play and what they're doing with how they play. They're both dogs and they're both going to do it the way they're going to do it. And both of them were very, you know, gracious about it. And they both, you know, had chips on their shoulders knowing that they're doing it for them and not for the, you know, community over there, which is toxic. If you're going to play like that, get out of my, you know, get out of my state. I don't care. You know, go play some out-of-state team. Go be like Team Full Gorilla and travel, you know. But at least Team Full Gorilla has respect. That's all I'm going to say. No, that's facts. So, <laughs> okay, wait. Uh, <laughs> well, I was... Alec- what? Sorry. Oh, wait. No, no. You finished this off. Okay. Valor Christian. Whatever. Okay. We feel like with everything we've said, it's justified. We picked y'all to win state. You heard it here we first. We did. 3-0 chose to win, chose Valor to win state. Yeah, to win state. And also, the Cherry Creek boys, they must have, they had to have known that. You know, I mean, well, I don't know. At media day when we met them, and they were very kind. Shout out to that man. I mean, um, this Cherry Creek team. I I want to talk about them a little bit more here before I kind of slammed the door on Valor. But man, everyone here contributed. I mean, look, I can't talk about Marte Russell enough, man. I mean, he made a pretty big sacrifice. That's not easy. Imagine being selfless. You know. Yeah, selfless and being a quarterback that, you know, was waiting behind Julian Hammond, who, by the way, was just a naturally, like, gifted superstar athlete, both in hoops and football, you know. He would have been probably one of our number one or number two quarterbacks in the state if he chose to play football last year. Um, I mean, like, going into college, that is. But imagine waiting behind him and then, you know, suffering an injury, which was pretty significant. And having Christian Hammond, his little brother, start over you, you know. And obviously, you know, they're closer teammates and whatnot, but that's not easy. His little brother played defense. He was a starting corner on that Cherry Creek defense last year, and he played quarterback this year. So that's hard. And so I need to give Marte Russell all the praise in the world here. He had six tackles, a tackle for loss. Also got a sack in that game. Congrats, man. I mean, he just did his thing, dude. He... I mean, this was his first year really playing, like, linebacker on the high school level, dude. Like, that's a story that I absolutely love. And Marte Russell is somebody that I've talked to um, kind of a lot here uh, recently. You know, we talked about some things you could work on as a linebacker, as a quarterback. 
personally, I believe he could still play quarterback if he really wanted to. Um, but he loves playing defense as well. You know, that's a guy that just loves playing football. And personally, I don't think Ballard has enough guys that just loves playing football that be able to give up and sacrifice like Marte Russell. And, you know, that's not to say that Marte Russell isn't special. I think he's somebody that, you know, pretty much every team in the state could use. You know, I think he's somebody that you could win state with at quarterback or linebacker. And so I just want to give him a lot of praise there. Uh, their freshman safety, Aiden Napke, you know, um, not only was he balling out this entire season, he had five interceptions, but, you know, he he did a solid job enough in this game as well. You know, I want to give him some respect there, you know, because, uh, I mean, that's never easy for a freshman to start on defense and then, you know, do all that stuff and, um, you know, be able to keep that up throughout the season. Uh, so, along with Tyler Tolbert, one of the few returning safeties, one of the few returning players, you know. But, uh, you know, honestly, this uh, Cherry Creek team, they're, they're special, you know. And shout out to Dave Logan, the GOAT, you know, coach here in Colorado. Um, very nice dude as well. You know, we've, uh, you know, we've talked, we talked at Media Day. And, uh, you know, he's just a very kind guy. And we appreciate all the support him and his coaching staff has had for us as well. Shout out to uh, Coach Jarvis Moss, you know, their defensive line coach, who did an excellent job in this game against an elite Valor offensive line. You know, this is uh, very well done, Jarvis. I just have to say that, man. That's like that's that's absolutely insane the way you were able to get this team to play. Hold Gavin Sawchuk to 2.8 yards a game, um, 2.8 yards a, a carry. And no touchdowns, no rushing touchdowns. That's that's very good, you know. So big shout out to Jarvis Moss out there, um, and just shout out to everyone over at Cherry Creek. You know, um, they are the Alabama of Colorado high school football, and I would say right now. But I mean, even if they were to have an off year, I think this is still a Cherry Creek team that will make a solid run. Honestly, you know, I have a lot of faith in their culture. I like what they're doing over here. They have so many good players. They're a young team. Don't get it twisted. They will be in state next year, you know, and I know there have been some things going around about Christian Hammond, maybe focusing a little bit more on hoops or whatnot. And and that, I mean, I understand that he is the highest rated basketball player in the state right now, uh, you know, but regardless, I mean, don't act like Cherry Creek doesn't have talent on the come up. We saw Mason, you and I saw their eighth grade teams play in uh, multiple championships in the AYL. Um, this um, this last season here. Brady Vodica, you know, the young quarterback out there, we've done a breakdown on him. He threw the game-winning touchdown with a ton of poise. If he is the next guy up for Valor Christian, or sorry, for Cherry Creek, not Valor Christian, not Valor Christian, but for Cherry Creek, they could win three or four championships in a row, maybe, potentially. You know, there's some other uh, surprises on the come up here, but, you know, uh, between him, uh, the young running back Noah Moss, who is a young star in the making right now, you know, excellent footwork, all that. Their defense, who played lights out against a very good Hawks team. I mean, they are reloading. And Cherry Creek has a lot of guys in the wings that know the offense and defense right now. So the rest of the state should be afraid. Uh, because honestly, I don't think you could wait on Valor uh, upsetting them or beating them for you anymore. At this point, it's like, hey, we got to take our shot at Cherry Creek. Forget Valor. They're not. They're nothing right now. Honestly, if there are any eighth graders out there thinking about going to Valor, don't. Go to Thunder Ridge. They got a quarterback over there um, that's going to be special these next couple years. He's going to be the next Cam Newton. Go to Fairview. 
they got a <laughs> they got another great quarterback who's gonna do his thing. Go to Horizon, even Alex Birch. He had a great year, you know. Go anywhere else than Valor. Valor, I don't believe in y'all anymore. I think I really wanted to going into this game. I really tried to put aside all my biases that I have towards people from that area and whatnot. But at this point, it's like, what's changed? And the answer is the same as the number of touchdowns they scored in this game. Nothing. Cody, I'm sorry. I know you've been trying to talk here, and I feel like I've just been cutting you off. No, everything's been necessary. I just wanted to transition to the more positive aspects and uh, congratulate this Creek team that, you know, overcame some struggles, went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the entire nation and honestly put up a pretty good fight. Uh, Mason got to see that and just talked about it multiple times throughout the season as a great point of reference for just how Creek's talent and coaching stacks up on a national scale. And congratulations to Coach Logan, who has shown us a lot of respect, Coach Moss, who has shown us a lot of respect and support. We appreciate them. And, you know, just, um, yeah, but it, for with, with Creek guys, you know, uh, we've had them on the show before and we've had interviews with them, you know, of years past. And hopefully we'd like to have more. We have some of them as candidates for our, you know, Playmakers Awards. So keep your eye out for that poll that will be open tomorrow when this episode is launched. So just keep your eye out for that and vote on that. You know, all those Creek boys go so show some support for your teammates on Twitter. But anyways, you know, they every year they have someone else who's, you know, taking the entire state by storm. They have so many underclassmen that are going to be good next year. They have sophomores that are going to be good. People want to play for Coach Logan because they know that not only are they going to be a winning football team, but they are going to get maximized. And, you know, you you could say what you want, but good coaching is really hard to come by in this state. And uh, when you can find it, I don't blame players for going to it. I don't blame players for pursuing their dream and, you know, trying to buy their mom a house and stuff like that. So, you know. Uh, I have no problem with it. I have a problem with the people who do have a problem with it, you know, who who come from privilege and don't understand that. You know, there are some people in the upper ranks and some coaches throughout the state who will do whatever they can to we in uh, in whatever they can to win, including kneecapping players and tarnishing dreams, but which I don't respect. But you know, shout out to the players who do get their chances and they do shine and go on and be successful and you know something about all these creek players they're very polite they're very you know you know just they're very polite honestly is all that i have to say about all my interactions with them and the interviews that i have listened to even if i wasn't a part of them you know they're all very real down-to-earth guys who understand you know their role on this team and their role in life and you know they're very know determined about their goals and they aren't on it to they're not on this team to wear their varsity jacket on fridays at school they're on it to whack people on friday nights under the lights and they're on it to get rings and i respect that of their players and you know obviously that doesn't happen without a culture dave logan being the greatest culture creator uh in colorado's football history so huge congratulations to the 2021 champion 
Cherry Creek Bruins, who, you know, also won in 2020. So with a COVID year, a little preparation, get it done. Uh, regular year, a lot more preparation. They still beat. Um, and it's, it's a pleasure to watch them and to meet their players and talk to them and whatnot. So uh, thank you so much, Creek, for being the gold standard, honestly, of Colorado football. And, you know, if you look at programs across all the levels, you know, I say that the programs who are like Creek and also can put forth a golden standard of football, they, they do a lot of the same things as far as their culture. You know, look at a lineman, look at a Wiggins, look at a, you know, Centauri, Dakota obviously, oh, Dakota Ridge on the 4A level, Roosevelt on the 3A level, I say similar, Fort Morgan on the 3A level, who's been doing it for years, Lutheran on the 3A level, I argue, is really the same with the interactions we've had of their players being receptive to feedback, Don't you know, Eaton. Eaton on the 2A level. Yeah, I was just getting to the 2A. I'm kind of jumping all over the place, but on the 2A level, Eaton, you know. And honestly, also, you know, on the 4A level, there's plenty of squads like that. Uh, you know, I'd I'd also include Chatfield on that, honestly, because, you know, their players, you know, they do interact with our posts and they do have fun, but they never take it personally. They're very polite as well. Their coaching staff is super adaptive and, you know, they've changed their offense uh, a couple of times over the past couple of years to find success and maximize their players. And, you know, just it's great to see good coaching. It really is. And also positive coaching and honest coaching. You know, I think, uh, you know, Erie's guy over there, it's only his first year. But, man, I, I, I love that coach to death because in a press conference right before a state championship game, he admitted a mistake that he made and how he was going to do better uh, for him, for his program and for his kids. And that's a mentality that everyone should have. And Cherry Creek is just a national kind of spotlighted program for that. So thank you, Cherry Creek. And thank you, Colorado football in general, for an awesome season and uh Thank you to all those who do understand. It's just football. We're just talking football. And if you want to talk life too, and you want to be positive, and you want to converse with us, we're here for that. I mean, even if they don't want to be positive, as long as they're polite about it, man. Like, if they want to, you know, criticize what we say or whatnot, like, go ahead, but be polite with us. Like, I have no problem having a conversation with you and showing you, you know, exactly why you know i chose you know you know alec folk over you know fitzpatrick i'll show you one-on-one -on -one. i'll go through the film with you if you really want to see it but if you're just rude about it i'm not gonna even take my time to show you and if you have counterpoints we listen you know we had an interview i don't know if that's going to be coming out on monday or you know a couple of mondays from now but we do have an interview with you know fountain fort carson kids as well as legend kids and you know when we talk about their critiques it's like oh hey you know i think that i'm this because of xyz and we usually learn something because they just talk to us we're just people you know we just watch we watch a lot of football we watch some of the most football in the entire state of colorado uh period and i'll even i am confident enough to say that even compared to coaches here in colorado so you know we we watch football we played football. We've been lifelong, you know, football fans watching a ton of professional college, high school and, you know, middle school football throughout the seasons. And we know what we're talking about. 
but you know if there's something that the film doesn't show we're willing to be receptive and listen to that as well yeah absolutely i think that's fair i mean we're always open to uh you know talk about where we're coming from talk about our thought process uh because i think that's important when establishing a perspective you know and so that's just i mean that's just where we're at uh for personally for me you know um i'm cool giving high schoolers a little bit more leeway and we're not don't get it twisted though you know if you're a high schooler and you act in a fool i'm gonna treat you like a fool because that's what you act like you know but and that's coming from an educator standpoint uh by the way but you know if you're a parent and you act in a fool shoot man it's on site i'm gonna be real with you bro don't test me you know you don't gotta be rude for what i'm your age five, we, i'm your age I contribute just as much to the community as you do. And so, you know, miss me with that personally, but if you know, not so, more, yeah. Oh, shoot. You don't want to see more. I'll say that. No, but, I'm saying we, we contribute to, to the community probably even more. Oh, uh, as far as like <laughs> that, that's what I mean. Um, <laughs> well, I still meant what I said, but also, um, but, but also. to high schoolers and well, not just high schoolers. Honestly, if you're a young player, man, like we want to help you. Like, we're not your coach. We ain't your parents. You know, we ain't your pops or whatever. You know, we want to get you better at football. And so that means telling y'all what's up. And if it means saying, you know, it was a disappointing season, this is a game that we feel like you could have won, then fine, you know, win it next time. Obviously, we understand you can't go back in time and change it. What matters is that you learn from it, right? What matters is that you think and be like, okay, like, there's things that I could have done better. There always is, you know, we could always point those out as well. But for you, the athlete to grow, you got to kind of figure it out on your own as well. You know, um, it, it starts with listening first and whatnot. And we do it for the kids. We're trying to elevate Colorado high school football. Uh, look here. It doesn't matter, you know, what your opinion is or what our opinion is. We're all trying to do the same thing. You know, get Colorado high school football on the map. And I'm proud to say that. You know, me and our crew, uh, me and my crew here, Cody Mason, you know, uh, Liam even, you know, everyone that we've ever talked to that have connected with us and, you know, showed us some, some, I can't talk, showed us some support and all that great stuff. You know, everything we do is to make Colorado high school football better. And so we're open to perspectives and stuff like that. But don't get it twisted, you know, we need to make this state better and more respected. And I'm proud to say that, you know, covering this season, you know, now, hopefully forever, you know, those storylines will be out there, you know, in 20 or 30 years when, you know, high school football is a distant memory and honestly, it doesn't matter anymore. It's going to be cool looking back and being like, yo, these storylines are living on, you know, history is living on and we're not because that's what it is, because hopefully like that's what we do for the next couple of years here, you know, just covering Colorado high school football and putting on, you know, the people who deserve to be put on and talking about, you know, fantastic players like Amarte Russell, players like an A.J. Jackson setting records, play, uh, teams like Cherry Creek, you know, um, just being historically great, you know, challenging uh, a, uh, a national powerhouse in Chandler and all that, you know. I want to talk about all that stuff. And I think preserving that history and knowledge and all that stuff starting now, is going to be really important. And so I just want to thank everyone for giving us that opportunity to do that and, uh, you know, cover Colorado high school football to, I guess, as accurate as we possibly could, honestly, because I don't 
see any other media outlet covering Colorado high school football and all the stories that come with it because it is truly amazing, honestly. So, um, yeah. Cody or Mason, anything you want to say about that before I wrap this thing up here? I want to say it was one heck of a season and it was fun to, you know, for me at least, you know, getting back into, you know, that 1A and 2A level, being able to get a little more introduced to it was kind of cool to see. But, you know, just football in general being part of my life for so long, it's nice being able to, you know, watch some high school football and watch some great high school football players and see what we can do to help them get to that next level. You know, like shout out um, one kid I know that's really, you know, polite and takes everything I have to say into consideration is Exodus Johnson over there. You know, he played for Arapahoe last season and he'd ask me, he'd send me film, you know, and be like, hey, you know, how can I better this? How can I better this? And Shout out to him, you know, just keeping it going and always looking to better himself and not ever trying to be rude when asking what what was different. Shout out to the community of people that are high school football in Colorado. Yeah, I'd agree. And, you know, if this is our overall summary, you know, I love covering Colorado football. This is our uh, our second season covering it, more or less. And, you know, we have a lot of fun watching all this film and we have a lot of fun. Our mission was to help out Colorado football and put that spotlight on. We have dogs that can play Division One football. We have dogs that can play in the NFL. We've known I've known this growing up, uh, but, you know, the exposure just hasn't been there. But there are some Rocky Mountain athletes here who could rock the entire nation in football and you know, they're going to continue to do that. We're still going to put out recruits and us as a podcast, we're going to try and get that coverage. We're going to try and give you good looks here. We're followed by a couple of different colleges, mainly regional ones, but of all levels. So, you know, listen to any school that's trying to recruit you, treat them with respect, obviously D3, NAIA, D2, D1, uh, treat them all with respect because Help them help you is kind of their point of view there. And, you know, as college sports continue to grow and NILs, you know, continue to be a thing. Think about the things that you say in high school. Think about the things that you're saying and think about the way that you're acting. Because it's if you're 18 years old, you don't have an excuse for saying some of the things that some of y'all be saying. And and that's that. And it's it's documented. All right. Like that. There's no there's no way around it. There's you got to be careful what you post. Uh, as, and I pass that on as, you know, a mentor of sorts where it's like, you really gotta, you gotta be on your stuff. So, you know, keep all of this in mind, but as Simon and Mason said, it is an honor really covering Colorado football. And I love the relationships that we've made and will continue to make as we continue to cover these storylines and whatnot. 1A through 5A, it's phenomenal. And, you know, I hope that any programs that we occasionally, if you want to call it beef with or seem like we have a grudge against, we still want their kids to be successful. We're saying these things harshly because, I mean, we don't want Valor to be bad. We don't want Valor to be bad. We want their coaches to expect more out of their young men. We want their coaches to call more advanced play calling systems and run more complex offenses to help their players be better prepared for the next level. Same with Ralston Valley, you know, who came out passing the ball in that playoff game that Mason went to. Hype. Yeah, like we love seeing that. And it's like, don't don't swing at us and then, you know, end up doing what we recommend to do. 
Um, and I feel like, you know, we obviously take that as a dub on a personal level, but we're all, if, if you're not in Colorado football for the kids and the athletes, you don't belong in this community. We talked about it in our culture episode. There's plenty of things wrong. Quit being a part of the problem. Go listen to episode 50 and start being a part of the solution. Yes. Boom. There you go. Um, yeah, straight up. Look, there are probably a lot of teams we did not get to talk about. Um, not only throughout the season, but like in the season review. Trust me, I, we know. You know, we see the comments on our TikToks and whatnot. And honestly, like, um, we want to talk about y'all. It's just really hard. <laughs> kind of putting aside a time for that. And so here's what we're going to do. Go ahead and subscribe and follow us on our Twitch account. That's at Playmakers Corner. We'll probably go live on Instagram and TikTok as well uh, while we're uh, doing that um, streaming on Twitch. That is at least to like advertise it. And, you know, if you do want to see when we go live on uh, Twitch or whatever, go ahead and follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok as well, obviously. Uh, and, uh, you know, go ahead and give us a follow and whatnot. We appreciate all that support. We'll talk about it. There. We'll um, announce when we go live there. And I'm saying this because we do hope to kind of cover more topics when we're live. And so when we do have people in the live stream with us, you know, we'll, we're open to taking requests and being like, hey, what do you think about this team, this team? We'll go to their Max Preps page, look through it, kind of run through a really quick process and be like, yeah, you know, this is kind of what we think about this team based on what we see right here, or if we already have opinions, which honestly for a lot of teams that we do not get to talk about, we all have a pretty good amount of opinions about those teams. You know, we just don't talk about them and record them on a podcast episode. And we'll tell you straight up like, oh, this team does this and this, you know, they had some uh, very interesting players that we keep eyes on. And honestly, as far as prospects go here in the state of Colorado, we, I believe between just the three of us do a really good job keeping tabs on uh, players from all over the state. doesn't matter how good or bad your program is. If you reach out to us, you're going to be on our radar. You know, we promise you that. And, um, you know, we, we love to build those relationships and uh, get you to college, man. Get get you to college with a scholarship and get you an opportunity to follow your dreams and play football. That's what matters, ultimately. And so uh, that's what those live streams will be um, used for. We will also upload those on our YouTube channel at Playmakers Corner. It'll be full, raw, no edits, just because, well, because it's easier for us. And also, you know, so you can see where we're coming from there, you know. Uh, so you'll be able to see our live streams raw on our YouTube channels, past live streams and all that great stuff. Um, we are also posting a lot of content on there as well. So go ahead and give us a follow. But um, with that being said, you know, thank you for rocking with us. I've been one of your co-hosts, Simon Voyanos, a.k.a. Coach V. I've been one of your other co-hosts, Cody Stoffer. And I'm your last co-host, Mays in Austin. And uh, love and appreciate you listeners. Catch you on the flip.